Hi, this is Buzz Burbank, and I never listen to None Taken. Michigan Board Changes Course Certifies Stop. Election oh. Results. Wait, no, is that I'll explain it. I'll, did you just read that on the news? Yeah. This is Wayne County. What did they change it to, Trump? I don't know. I'm just, I have it on mute, just, but... This is the Michigan right. Secretary that's of my, State. That's my news. That's my news. Go ahead and find more there if there's something more there. Jocelyn I, Benson. I, I'm getting really anxious. I don't want to talk about it. Talk about it on the show. Okay. I don't, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't know what the actual news is. I'm just... All right. Give me a second. I can tell you more about it, maybe. Yeah, no worries. Well, you just got to hear me have a panic attack, not talk, because you said something about the news. Go check on the person that I saw that reported it first, found out they had an update um, settling it, which I will bring up on the show. Don't you dare. Okay. I don't even know what... <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, I know. Uh, I don't know either. I, I am, like, shaking, though. Damn. Um, I know. Uh, now I'm, now I'm in, scared me. Now I'm intrigued. All right, ready? I'm hell yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. Welcome to None Taken, the internet's only debate and current events show with me, your host Dustin. Over there is Alan. Thank you for joining us. At the time of this recording, it's Tuesday, November 17th, 2020. It's a great day for America. <laughs> I'm here in San Diego, and Alan's in the San Francisco Bay Area. We are here recapping another week of current events and sharing way too much of our tragic personal life. Please subscribe right now wherever you're listening to this and share this episode with your podcasting pen pals. Please leave a five-star review and be sure to tell your friends about us. And if you're into Facebook, we started a fan club. It's the None Taken Superfans group. Ooh, we have a fan club. I like it. Also... Stick around for side B of this week's show for an exciting news story about sharks and the coronavirus vaccine. You won't want to miss this one. Alan, what is up, my friend? What is up, everybody? Hey, you know something? I, I want to pull back the curtain real quick, uh, folks. You should know that Dustin does that intro every week, like live. None of that's recorded. There's no filters. There's no special effects. He's doing that live every week. And I've seen him do it like 40 times at this point, and I still don't get tired of it. It's great. Um, is, is, it the, is it the nod into the microphone yes. and then draw back as I go, welcome? <laughs> yes, I love it. Uh, what's up, everybody? It's been a hell of a week again. Um, we got lots to talk about, lots to get to. Shall we just hop in, get to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So personal stuff last week. I finally was able to see my son last week, last Saturday. It's been... Give me back my son! <laughs> I hadn't seen him for, I think, around four months at this point. Oh, that's careless of you. Where'd you leave him? <laughs> uh, he moved to Petaluma now, so he lives uh, about 45 minutes from me. Normally, yeah, I would yeah. see him you know, at least once or twice a week, but yeah. with the whole virus stuff, he's been very um, concerned, I'll say, about the virus. He takes it very seriously. Um, and I respected that, you know, and, and I, I work with the public, you know, I, I'm, I'm not exactly shaking hands and kissing babies all day, but I am definitely working with the public all day. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. So I'd kind of stayed away just to, you know, for safety's sake. Um, finally we decided last, that's weekend that, you know, it'd be a good time to get together. So it was a nice day. I drove up to Petaluma. It was a nice sunny day. It didn't rain. I was worried about that. Um, it rained Friday, but it didn't rain Saturday. So we, uh. We grab some In-N-Out burger. And yes, we'll be near the uh, In-N-Out. Some burgers. We took him and his dog out to the park out there and 
hung out, had a really nice time. It was it was a beautiful day, um, and I was really it was really nice to see him and get to hang out. So that was cool. Um, then I dropped him off and drove home. And uh, one of our both of our favorite streamers, who's actually going to be on the program coming up pretty soon, Revolver, was having a movie night on Discord. Um, so we actually got to hang out even more, you know, digitally, but, uh, so we watched the movie together with, with some friends on discord. That was a lot of fun. I'll talk about that in, in media. Um, so that was, that was a nice little Saturday on Sunday. I went to Livermore, hung out with a couple of friends, grabbed a few beers. I think I've talked about this place before. It's a uh, first street ale works. They, oh, got, yeah. they have pretty good, uh, tap selection, uh, and, and good kind of, you know, beer pub food. So hung out out there and that was pretty much it for the weekend. Um, worked the rest of the week. You know, it's it's kind of getting to crunch time for me as far as the holidays is my busy, busy season. Um, so not not a lot of time for fun for me <laughs> these days. But uh, that was pretty much it, man. How about you? What'd you get up to? <sighs> man, it was a weekend. Yeah, um, I see the load. <laughs> I know it was a lot of notes. Because uh, I, I really felt like I'd forget some of this. Right. Uh, least significantly, I was on call this weekend, but I didn't have to run any calls, so that was great. Nice. Um, yeah. The uh, hey, I just got a notification from Bev, uh, Nurse Bev, a retired RN nurse who retired at the start of this pandemic. Uh, she'll be on here the second half. Awesome. So uh, back to my life, though. Uh, the so Friday night, got off work actually decent time. Me and Natasha watched that movie Den of Thieves. Um, it's got Ice Cube's son in it. Uh, a few other actors. It was actually, it's a Netflix original. It was actually pretty good if they edited it about 20 minutes shorter. It was two hours and 20 minutes. And it's like, according to Hollywood, the perfect movie is two hours. According to me, it's an hour and a half. Right. Unless I'm tired, 45 minutes. But I've heard um, of it, but I've never seen it. It was good. Right. But like, there was just scenes where it's like, dude, I don't care that the detective has a wife and a daughter. Like, I'm never going to care about that character as like a good person more because of that. Like, we're here for the action. Like, I, you can make him a human in other ways. I saw him be a human. This is a waste of time. Like, anyways, other than that, it's a good move. That's not the what. That's not what I'm here to tell you about. Um, let's get into what I've decided to call Super Spreader Saturday. Ooh, sounds fun. Which I seem to be just burning my risk budget on like consistently. Uh, I mean, there's just been more than one where it starts off that these are the expectations. By the time we get there, nobody's following what they said as their guidelines, and then it's just hey, like cool. Guess, here. guess who you have that in common with? Uh, who? Gavin Newsom. <laughs> that was his excuse, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, explain that. Uh, he went to some sort of event at the French Laundry, which is a famous restaurant up in Yauntville, uh, north of Napa. Which is funny. Why not? Isn't there a place called Chinese Laundry? That's a brand, actually. Chinese Laundry yeah. is a brand of clothing. Okay, well, probably not like a... You know what? I'll cut this out. <laughs> no, the French Laundry is like... A, I've never been there, but it's a super famous restaurant up in the... Up in the uh, Napa Valley, I guess you call it, Calistoga Valley. Very expensive, very pricey, and I think you have to get reservations like months in advance, unless you're Gavin Newsom, yeah, probably. Right. Um, but he said he walked into the event, and as soon as he walked in, he probably should have turned around and left, but he went ahead and stayed. He, he, he caught a lot of flack for it. And yeah, he, he should have. Yeah. No, I mean, the guy's a total hypocrite, um, yeah. but whatever. Uh, I mean, I have mixed feelings with what he's doing in this state, and I don't want to get into them now. This is my life. Sorry. Uh, so in my Super Spreader Saturday... Um, started off normal, easy wake up, get coffee, have a little breakfast and relax. Then we ended up going to a house. So we had an obligation through the girlfriend's parents to spend the day washing and drying over 500 glasses by hand. What? 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 Why? 
So we went to a bottle competition where a bunch of different uh, bottle experts were sampling or tasting and sampling all different kinds of alcohol. And that sounds fun. It it was fun. Uh, however, and doing the dishes really wasn't that bad. Like everybody thanked me a million times. I was like, it's it was fine. Like I didn't mind being. Did you a, have the thing ex- where you just like dip it in the solution and no. dip it in the water? And you dip it no, in the it was all by hand and oh. scrubbing and COVID. So like you know, <laughs> I was cleaning, so I was being anal about it. Right. Um, so the yeah. So here's the scene. It's like twenty, maybe thirty people there. Um, and the host couple excited, decided to ignore the protocol that they announced that they'd have, and they didn't wear a mask the entire time of the event. Lovely. Which means, as hosts, they kept coming back into the kitchen, talking to me, then going outside and talking to every individual that was there, being a host. You and know? I assume if they're doing that, other people kind of took their cues and also took off the mask? There was or? more people with it around their ears and under yeah. their nose than I wanted to see, including the guy who said he's already caught it and beat it twice. <laughs> Jeez. Let's so go for the trifecta. I just want to... So I, towards the end of the day, like, so anytime people were coming to the kitchen, we were like, Hey, I need you to wear a mask. They finally put it on. Yeah. But you know, towards the end of the day, I really connected with one of the hosts by saying, look, the infection rate in San Diego is four plus and climbing. Um, that's not that bad. They want to be under eight. Uh, once you're above five, it's considered out of control. So let's just say four plus and climbing for sake of math, call that five because we have about 20 to 30 people here, so let's just say 20. Well, 5% of 20 is one, so that means there is one person who's going to be there with COVID statistically. There might be two, there could be zero, right? But sure. like, good chance there's one based on testing in San Diego, which means you and your husband, oops, I mean, you, <laughs> you and your wife, whichever one I said this to, have been ensuring that you're contracting that as best you can by spending the time that you are with each person. And they looked at me and they're like, Oh wow. And then I saw them wear a mask for like the next half hour. Did it, how did it feel to have that conversation? Was it annoyed? It it was, it was not at all satisfying to watch the gears turn and then realize that they'd been getting lied to by OAN and Fox news and the president for the last eight months. And it's like one piece of logic said non-passionately is persuasive. It's just, and and changed their, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so when we got done doing dishes, I I wore a mask and socialized with like the five people that were left outside. But I was like, not with you fucks. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, and so I was a little nervous and I did the following in order. Tennessee whiskey, um, a prototype vodka, vodka from Suntory and Jim Beam combo. Uh, it's a vodka. Um, wait, wait. I know, I get it. Suntory and Jim Beam made a vodka. I know. That's the weirdest collab I've ever heard of. I know. Well, it's distilled alcohol. I mean, it's pretty much just here. Make this as pure as possible. Um, Then I had more whiskey. Then I had cognac. Then a dispute over cognacs came up, and I sampled all four. Then I went back to more whiskey. And I kind of didn't pay attention to this because I had started talking to this guy who was a really old guy, and he said he was a socialist. And we ended up talking about the grand dialectic while hiding in plain sight about around a bunch of like really uber conservatives. Um, it it kind of sadly it felt a little like Capote and talking in code and you know it, the uh, McCarthy era. You know, sure. Those are sometimes the funnest conversations, though. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, just I, hiding actually, in plain sight. That's probably the thing I miss most about like going out to bars and stuff is having mm. is finding that one person that's a little bit outside yeah. the norm that you can yeah. have a fun conversation with after a few beverages. Yeah. 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 That's that's fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh I don't really have more about that to talk about. I'm a little afraid I will since it's tied through the girlfriend's family. So let's just if you don't have more questions. <laughs> no, no, I'm uh, good. I'm good. Sunday, it was a week after my mom's birthday and Parties kept getting postponed because her only family who lives here is her brother, and he was him and his wife are really concerned about the virus, which is reasonable, I understand. But we had like an outdoor party planned, and then it rained, so they didn't. And then we had something outdoors for this weekend, and then they were scared about case rates, and they were going out to the desert. So I was like, I just felt so bad for my mom. I was like, you know what? I'm coming over. I'm grilling. Um, I called my piece of shit brother. He said he doesn't drink on Sundays. So I was like, that's cool. It's only your mom's fucking birthday. Yeah, I'm calling you out here, Preston. Um, yeah, that's what that text message said that said, you know what? Don't worry about it. Wow. So did he not well, show Alan, up at all? If you ever want to yell at your brother, you can do it on the podcast. Too. That's why we have all this. All right, I'm down. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So my mom was thrilled. I went and got balloons with a unicorn on it. Nice. Um, like she was so happy. Like you could see she's like, oh my God, something for me right. in one of the most sad times of your life. And it was just, I could see her glowing over it and it, I'm still invigorated by it. It made me so happy to see that. That's super cool. Yeah. Nice. I do have something that happened today, but I've been talking quite a bit. <laughs> okay. Well, do you want to ask me a question and then? Sure. Yeah. Why don't? Um, okay. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, I will take number three. Oh, three for a thousand. Um, I don't have my questions ready. Hold on. <laughs> wow. This is really timely. You don't know this list. <laughs> I this don't. isn't public, right? I have no idea. Oh my god. No. Okay. I can't see this. Other than the nose, which hole would you rather have a nine-inch cotton swab stuck down in order to find out if you have COVID? <laughs> uh. Wow. I guess. I'm trying to think of all my available orifices. Yeah. I'm I'm going to go with man. 9 Come on. inch. You said 9 Come inches. Come on. Come on. What? Come on. It's got I mean I know. You don't want to say the mouth, but it's the mouth, <laughs> it's the right? Mouth. Yeah. It's the mouth. I mean It's the be- it's it's the best of your bad options at that so point. So what? The, let's go through the options here. So you got the mouth, you have the anus, okay. you have yeah. the ear, you puncture a you got people. People actually might not be that bad. Some people like that. Apparently, I've seen videos. I mean, I haven't. Well, I've heard there's videos. <laughs> I've. I am also aware that those exist. Um, yeah. Yeah. I Belly guess, button. I, I guess it's got to be. I guess it's got to be your mouth. Yeah. The amount of people that I've asked that of that didn't immediately say mouth is alarming. Well, because I know because you don't want to. You don't want to. Yeah. Did you have so, a test? Yeah, I was going to say, so speaking of which, if you want to see what it looks like, there's a video up on our Instagram right now because I had a morning. Um, I woke up with a pretty sore throat and I mean, I still have a sore throat and an odd sinus cavity. It still feels odd. Uh, You know, sometimes throughout the day, it sort of works itself normal. Um, And that definitely happened. But even still, I'm glad I went down the the direction I did. you know, I contacted my insurance. They had to schedule an appointment on the phone with the doctor. Once the doctor heard my symptoms, they said, yeah, go ahead and get tested. So I did a COVID PCR test, which is the test that I've been talking about here on the show where they use magnification cycles to amplify the sample of blood or samples that they have that they take from the, either the back of your nose, excuse me, the back of your throat and uh, your nose. Which leads to a lot of um, positives, right? There is, it can produce... 
see, there's there's conflict over that because it's not necessarily producing a false positive. It will show that there is COVID in your body because if you amplify that sample to a high enough rate, you can find particles of almost anything, and that's yeah, word but for it's word like, from the it's, creator it's, of the PCR test. It's sort of like parts per million in water, right? Where yeah, like right. this amount and the is issue, not well, a problem. You nailed it with is. saying parts per million yeah. because they say it needs to be like a million parts per milliliter, I believe. It's not as parts per mil. So maybe I don't know what parts per mil means, but I know that's not short for a million because they're saying it needs to be a million parts per mil milliliter for probably, you yeah. to be considered infectious. Mm-hmm. And since we can't measure that with a PCR test, we just say do a PCR test, amplify it. If you see covid then that person has COVID, whether they're infectious or not, shedding it early right. on, which is fine. Like at this stage, we would rather identify that and take people out. There's of, some evidence it's there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of the population that's spreading it by them staying home, not sure. take them out of the population. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm eager to get my results, but I'm also a Did little wary. Of, uh, they, this one said within 24 hours, there was one from the county that it was that I had signed up for in the meantime because I couldn't even talk to my doctor until one, and the one from the county was they said six to eight days on the delay. So yeah, can you believe and, how many? Yeah, months and it- so I called in work. I'm not going to work today. I'm not going to work tomorrow until I get my results. You know, like just six to eight days to find out. Oh look, I could have worked for eight days. We're eight months into this, or more than that, actually, dude. I asked her if they had rapid tests. She said that they're being saved for ICU patients, which it's like, okay, I get it. Except I also know there's like rapid antigen tests, which I really wouldn't have minded. I just wanted some sort of peace of mind. Yeah, that's all you want. I mean, yeah, yeah. fuck. Well, knock on wood that that. uh, all is well. Yeah. And, you know, we'll have more Corona topic later in the show when Bev's here. She has uh, really good stories of what she got to experience early on. I shouldn't say good. She has really harrowing stories of what she experienced early on in the pandemic. And um, I won't spoil it. It's going to be a great conversation. I promise. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Well, let's I guess transition we... into uh, yeah news and politics. Yeah, right? Let's go. So we are now today is what? Today is November the 17th. Yeah. When was the election? Uh, I want to say it was the third, but that's not right, is it? No, I think that's right. Oh, so yeah. we're two weeks out, right, from the election? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Yes, it was two Tuesdays ago. <laughs> was, I remember that. It was two Tuesdays ago. Shit. Uh, as of now, Trump still has refused to concede the election. Uh, there is still no transition happening between the Trump White House and the president-elect Joe Biden. Um, that's just still out there. Um, the closest that Trump has done to conceding is some tweets over the weekend where he said that Biden won because of election fraud. He immediately followed that tweet up by saying that he wasn't conceding anything at all. Uh, the election was rigged, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it it yeah. feels like the president has just kind of stopped doing his job over the last couple of weeks. He hasn't done a single, um, he hasn't taken a single question from the press. Um, he has not, um, he has nothing on his schedule on on his yeah. on his daily schedule at all. No. He's played some golf. He has fired some people. He has tweeted a lot, and that's pretty much Didn't it. Didn't he go long periods of not tweeting too, and then all of a sudden he like finished hibernating? I don't know. I feel like a long period for him is like twelve minutes. So I don't pay. I don't follow him on Twitter, so I don't. I don't see it. So yeah. Yeah, he's uh, a yeah, dude. Pretty prolific the, tweeter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's worth ignoring. 
yes the, yeah Agreed. the impeached and electorally defeated president hasn't had a u.s intelligent briefing in six weeks and refuses to allow the president-elect to have one true story Trump hasn't met with the coronavirus tax task force in several months as hospitalizations reached their highest point since the pandemic. Um, you know, on on the other hand, you know, looking at the future, because I do believe Biden won the election, there's some scary things that happened in Michigan that I'm going to tell you about in a minute that just happened right before we recorded. But And actually, I, I have to throw in something here, too, is that okay. when we say that he hasn't had an intelligence briefing, we mean from the team that would normally provide him with an intelligence briefing. He yeah, has I'm sure Ivanka and Jared are telling him something. Yeah. So his inner circle, he has still met with them. In fact, I have kind of a scary story later about Iran, um, in which Yeah, clearly you terrified me on the show sheet. <laughs> I didn't even know about that. Yeah. So he is he is getting some information. It seems like mostly what he's doing is is watching Fox News and, and perhaps other cable news outlets and is reacting to that and then talking to people in his inner circle like like Giuliani, Giuliani, right, and, and right, Ivanka right, Jared, those yeah, kind of people. scheduling press conferences, right, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Well, in comparison, I think what we have to look forward to is Biden announced he's going to have an actual task force, and it will actually meet. Unlike the one headed up by Pence, which has actually not met for several months, mm-hmm. um, it's it's really fucking difficult to make policy when that's what your task force does. Just <laughs> as an interjection, right. Um, you know, I think Biden will strongly recommend masks and use federal power to push for mandates when possible. Um, that might not mean everywhere in the U.S., but this is like these are the fears people think of, like with the transition. Right. Um, he, he won't have a lot of levers to use other than uh, his federal level levers, which are going to just be like pressing onto the states, basically. But, you know. If you plan on traveling across state lines and incorporating federal laws, then I guess you're probably going to have to start following federal guidelines. So not thrilled about that, but I'm not as upset about the ways in which he intends to go about accomplishing that because they seem to be within the scope of government that we've already accepted. Does that make sense? Like prior to all these outside actions that Trump's done that have caused a lot of frustration. Yeah, and definitely. I think, you know, we talked last week about this sort of collective sigh of relief uh, with Biden being in place. And it's like, well, what can we expect from Biden? And, and there's a lot of people on the left who are are upset with some things Biden's already done and mm-hmm. are concerned about things he'll do going forward. But, you know, what we can expect is competency. We can yeah. expect him to walk up to a lectern and tell the American <laughs> people to wear masks and to socially yeah. distance. Um, these are seemingly very simple, basic things. But Trump hasn't done that. Uh, he hasn't no. walked up to a lectern and said anything for weeks at this point. Um but that sort of return to normalcy of just the cogs of government actually doing something are um, it's it's promising. It, it feels good. That that's yeah, it's to something happen. to be optimistic yeah, for. Yeah. Even if you don't like big government, sure. like it's just like okay, well, this is the version you're going to experience. It's like, well, I don't like that, but that is preferable over what I've been experiencing. Yes. Yeah, I think that a lot of what Biden's going to do is largely going to be symbolical. Yeah. Symbolical. Symbolic. Symbolic. Yes. Yeah, he's going to say things and do things that symbolize that there's a process, and they're going to make a point as an administration to delineate between their process and the chaos of the previous administration. I don't even think they have to make his, a point. <laughs> That's just going to, it's going to be made for Yeah, them, I know, right? but you know? like, look at his chosen chief of staff. You saw it, right? Ron Klain? Yeah, yeah. used to head up the Ebola, Ebola task yeah. force. Mm-hmm. So he's very clearly signaling, he did a really good job. you know, our, our biggest thing is going to be Corona, you know? Yeah. Um, 
So I think that if if his strategy is going to be successful going forward, I can actually see a near future where we maybe have more trust in government and at least not making things as bad as they have been, which in my opinion is, again, moving in the right direction, right? Yeah, agreed. If we're going to, like going forward, if we're going to break out of this cycle where power trans- is just transitioning back and forth between these parties, which ends up leaving us with ineffective government, it'll take the citizens feeling like what they get in exchange for all their taxes amounts to something better than just lies about snake oil cures and endless foreign wars. When you look at other countries that are effectively having shutdowns, or don't call them shutdowns, just call them like restrictions to what you would feel is normal everyday life, their citizens aren't getting as upset as ours are because their citizens feel like what they get from what they have to give for their government is an effective trade-off. So when they their government asks for something, they're not like us. We're like, no, motherfucker, you take my fucking money every week and then do dog shit with it. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm reminded of, of these people that um, say that mask ordinances are taking their freedom. And I just say, well, what about seatbelts? Having to wear a seatbelt or be fine, is that taking your freedom? Uh, did you see the question I have written down for Bev? No, I did not. I have something almost, uh, I cannot wait for the interview now. (laughs) All right, cool. Cool. Uh, I agree with you though, right? It's like, these are things that are in your best interest that, you know. And we've we've decided as a society that this is in everybody's best interest. So we're all going to do that, right? That's Like if tomorrow we all woke up and Donald Trump was like, you know what? Seatbelt laws are stupid. You guys should be able to make up for your your own mind. And he effectively repealed them. Right. I'd get in my car tomorrow and wear a fucking seatbelt. Hell yeah, of course. Like BMW isn't going to stop selling seatbelts in their cars. No, (laughs) no. It's 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 ridiculous and tragic that it's come to this, though. Yeah. Anyways, you Uh, you had a thought. Sorry. Yeah. Well, no, no. Just well, moving kind of on along the same topic about you know the lack of concession from the president, right? Mm, Yeah. Um, Listening to Buzz Burbank's news and comment this week, which by the way he's announcing it's going to be his last few weeks, uh, last few months of doing the show, right? But um, so uh, I I isolated this quote because I really liked it Uh, in talking about why he's still optimistic despite the lawsuits from Trump. He said they will use isolated anecdotes to imply that they are a tip of an iceberg that doesn't exist. And red hats will believe that for the rest of their lives or until it costs them enough socially. Can confirm based on the red hats in my uh, my news feed. Yes. I told you about those guys in the parking lot last week. I forgot to isolate that audio. It was crazy. I think about it. I'll never forget seeing that. What were you think? What are you talking about in your feed? Uh, just, I, I, you know, that 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 guy that used to be a roommate is still posting just wacky stuff. He posted Stop a, the Steal, all that kind uh, of stuff. Yeah, he posted a thing today. It was the Electoral College map, except 95% of the U.S. was dark red. And he said that really that uh, Trump had won in a landslide by like. 400 and something electoral votes, including California, by the way, is, was, and okay. I'm just like, well, you can like color the map any color you want. That doesn't make that yeah. the reality. Right. Uh, it's just, yeah. If I, you just remove where people live. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, in Georgia, in the recount, they found something like 2000 ballots with some issues. Um, oh yeah. And that's, <laughs> dude, that's nothing. Um, again, the, <laughs> the, the Biden margin was way more than 2,000. It's not even close. I mean, right. even, we talked about it last week. Sean Hannity came out and said, look, even if all the lawsuits we have out there end up being correct, it's not going to be enough to change the election results. It's just no. Um, yeah, and, and if they do, it's literally going to take them saying, yes, we lost by 7 million votes, but if we count it this way, we win. And I'm sorry, 
that's the fucking end of the republic like like there's no constitution it's what we said last week but it's like okay well this is a this is a worthless piece of paper now yeah you um, have some stuff about michigan i, I do yeah okay so along those lines there is a new development that came out from michigan today when i read this alan my blood went cold and i felt my breath escaping me Oof. a key county election board in michigan is deadlocked causing it to miss the state certification deadline Two Republicans on the four-member board in the state's biggest county voted against the certification. It is now apparently up to the state board to certify by December 13th. That story was developing at like 4 p.m. You, as we hit, as I hit record, right. was like, hey, what's this about Michigan? Is this what you were talking about? I'm like, yeah. You're like, they reversed their, their position. Their position, yeah. Okay, so what you saw was the third switcheroo. So if I understand this right, midday, what I just said happened, that they were at a deadlock, these two Republicans weren't willing to certify Wayne County, Um, just on opinion, by the way, and they, I mean, they probably listened to Trump or something. So the next thing that happened was announced that it was going to get postponed and it'll have to wait until the state certifies uh, under the federal deadline of December 13th. And the statement they made, I think initially was that what was definitely for Biden is now up in the air with the desire to reverse it. And then what you saw was that the decision has been reversed under intense scrutiny and pressure. Those two Republicans caved in and admitted that they were attempting to play something like the faithless elector conspiracy, which I saw you have something as our next topic here. Yeah, yeah. So faithless faithless electors are coming up again. Uh, there's some talk that Republican leaders are pressing to have electors switch their vote. Um, there's a lot of, uh, we are a, repub- a republic, not a democracy, in quotes, going around out there, which I know you said you're very familiar with. I'll, I'll just remind people of what this is. I mean, this happened in 2016 when Trump won. Um, a number of electors um, tried to float the idea of just not put, casting their vote for Trump as they had committed to do. Um because they felt as their state kind of dictated right. informally, right? Right, and because they just felt strongly about Trump not being president, I believe seven electors uh, nationwide uh, chose to vote against their commitment as a, an ele- a Republican elector. None of them voted Did? for Hillary; they all voted for other people. Like, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Because I think before that, it only happened once, and it was like 1974, and it was during the Libertarians' first election, and it was. Yeah. Like one guy in Colorado. Right, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, so that actually, so part of that... Which, is, by the way, that means he went against Carter? Sounds right. No. Why don't I let you talk? Okay. Uh, part of that has gone to the Supreme Court, and you know they said that the states can uh, mandate what the electors are, are to vote for. The states can actually control that. But there isn't anything to say that the states can't mandate them to vote for somebody that the, their public did not vote for. In other words, that they, they did not win the popular vote in their state. So there is there there is pressure in certain places from Republican leaders trying to have electors switch their role. Can you talk a little bit about we are a republic, not a democracy? That, what that yeah, the means? idea is we live under a different, deferential Republic, where we give power to elected officials, which, you know, that's essentially a democracy, but we um, we don't live under the direct vote. 
you know. Which um, is, explain why that would suck. I mean, because I... Well, <laughs> yeah, all you would need is, I don't know, just if you close your eyes and really tried, you can probably picture some kind of demagogue in office that stirred up about half the country to get certain things passed. And then all they'd have to do is go on TV and say, make American great again, build a wall, build a wall. And then we'd have a wall that... Me- oh, wait. <laughs> But essentially, that would happen with everything. So, right. You know, so there's no if representative it's popular democracy to ban guns, they would have... ban guns. If it was popular to ban abortions, they'd ban abortions. It's just whatever the whim of the country is at that point. And you don't want to live under that. Right. You want to have people that you vote on and trust to represent you. And then you get a direct say in many things. But much of it, if you want to see change, you have to say, okay, well, the person that represents me is not representing me, which is what I do, and either not vote or vote libertarian because I don't believe in these liars. In that's addition, okay. there's institutions like courts, right? There's ex- yes, there's, right, yes, there's, yes, yes. There's yes, branches yes. that have checks on power. Uh, well, there, there's three branches, and they all watch each other, and it's a perfect balance. <laughs> perfect, just like a Centauri and Jim Beam Same, uh, vodka. Yes. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. For some reason, I was thinking um, perfectly centaur balanced. when you said that. <laughs> it's a perfect balance, just like a centaur. Uh, so here's the thing. So it appears that, that all of the lawsuits that the Trump administration has, has filed throughout the country in various courts, um, are, are not going anywhere. Most of them appear to be pretty much frivolous. Um, it certainly seems as if, um, Trump is just kind of holding out, waiting to see if something drops, you know, another shoe drops that perhaps gives him a, an inch to try and to, to get in there and, and claim that he won the election. Um, he doesn't have any real arguments, though, and there's no, no, there's no real um, litigation out there that, that is even concerning. Um, no, nothing, because if it was, it would be messaged the way that even as poorly as Russia was messaged, it'd be mes- messaged like that. They'd be like, look, there was a conversation, we're looking into it. And instead, they're like, voting was good here, but it was bad there. Like, yeah. you can't even, like, say that something is a consistent thing to say. Like, you know, no. anyway, so, and speaking of which, though, you have something about yeah, Georgia so, I really want you to tell me about. So relating to that, uh, this is just uh, dropped. I just saw this literally before we went on the air. So uh, Trump fired the head of SISA, which is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure um, Administration. Uh, he fired him via tweet, like he likes to do. Like he fired Esper? Yeah. And a few other people. Uh, his name is Chris. He fired Mattis. His name is Chris Krebs. He was a former uh, Microsoft executive who actually, on all accounts, did a really good job in in sort of securing this election and keeping the Russians out and keeping the hackers out um, and making sure it was fair. He, um, I, I guess, what got him fired was that he has come out publicly and controverted a lot of Trump's assertions that the election was was stolen and that there was widespread fraud. So obviously, mm. that's not going to go over all that well in the Trump administration. So he's no, no longer with us. Um, and that's, you know, after, you know, Mark Esper has been fired. There's talk that he will fire or wants to fire uh, Gina Haspel of the CIA. Which is great because he put her there. Yeah, and actually that was... He put her there despite everyone saying, hey, that's a shitty pick. She co-sponsored torture and probably deleted a bunch of tapes. Yeah. So just to get into what you're talking about there, that was with the the torture of the uh, um, prisoners in Iraq when all those photos came out. Um, Not just that. I mean, she was in charge of black sites and, and we don't, we can't prove that. That's true. But there was a but lot of controversy pr- when he nominated her. And now he's saying that he's going, or there, there's talk that he's going to fire. Her. So 
Yeah. 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 Well, so I think now's a fine time just to point out that what was that guy's position, Alan? He was the head of CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Administration. Okay. Um, Infrastructure Security Administration. Now's a great time to point out that he probably knows something about what he's talking about uh, and that the our our uh, our security agencies were warning us going into the election that the objective from outside countries is going to be undermining our secu- our elections integrity mm-hmm. and causing uh so trying to sow doubt in the electoral process fomenting violence and as well. that's all our president has done i just want to point out I'm, this is objectively true this is not a a biased opinion about the president the president has sowed doubt in our electoral process which is what we were warned by our intelligence agencies that foreign countries were going to do. Now, I'm sure he's not a puppet of another country, but when he behaves in the same way that we're being told that we should watch out for threats behaving, I mean, that's alarming. That shouldn't be ignored. When you say that he's sown doubt in the legitimacy of our elections, that's not like something that started happening a month ago or two months ago. That's happened since prior to the 2016 election. An election he won, by the way, in which he still claimed there was voter fraud. So... Yeah, he's been doing that for a while. Yeah, hey, um, I just got to interrupt with two things. One, the dog next door didn't get picked up on Mike. It barked exactly like the dog <laughs> in the Jane's Addiction caught stealing video. Like the same pitch, That's tone, awesome. like timing. Just... Um, and I got a text from Bev. She's in the waiting room. Can we bump everything into the second half and get into that Corona interview? Yeah, of course. Okay, let's do that. Welcome to the program. It's awesome to see you. Thank you. You too. Dustin's been talking about you for quite a while and saying we should definitely get you on the show. So it's cool to have you on here finally. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Bev. Thanks for being yeah, here. Nice to see you. Me and your son, Nick, were, neighbor- Nick, were neighbors and inseparable growing up. Uh, but for our listeners, can you give us a brief synopsis of your career in medicine? And we'll jump into the end of that maybe and focus more on our questions on your last few months on the job. Does that sound good? Okay, sounds good. So um, I'm a registered nurse, I'm master's prepared, I'm a clinical nurse specialist, and I worked in the hospital in the last 15 years of my career, pretty much as a rapid response nurse. So our role was to respond to critical events in the emergency department, but also patients that were deteriorating in the inpatient end to kind of help rescue them um, with the ability to have physician orders prior to contacting a physician. So. Uh, we were called to see patients as they were deteriorating in the hospital. So that was a little bit of it. Um, my ICU background and my emergency department uh, experience and background is what got me into that role. So that's it in a quick couple sentences. That was pretty quick. Now, I know why you talk funny, but I don't think our listeners do. Where are you from before California? I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah. It's just the world's greatest accent. I mean, it's only Baltimore out there looking worse than you guys. <laughs> I hate that voice so much. Not yours. I just hate that accent so much. I was raised there and I can't get away from it, but oh well. You, you lost it mostly. You really did lost, lose it mostly. Um, can you, how, uh, Alan, do you have some questions maybe about like the early stages of the pandemic, what life was like at work there? Yeah. So how long ago did you, did you leave um, the, the medical profession? Okay, so I um, was, it's interesting, but we noticed in probably late 
2019, November, December, that there was something going on. We were seeing a very high proportion of patients with pneumonia compared to what we normally saw. And I was working up through um, March um, when uh, we were, we all start when I actually got exposed to COVID to the point of I got it. Um, oh, wow. So um, it was probably about three to four months prior to that um, that we knew something was going on, but it was not well identified at that point. And there was a lot of speculation and there was a lot of misinformation. And then the CDC, even February and March, were very jumping around about what we should do, how we should handle it. Every day it was a new idea, every day it was a new plan. And so it was very chaotic in the hospital environment because of that. Um, and so that's where I was when it wow. started. Yeah. And you're saying you saw, you saw cases or you saw, uh, you saw infections or people with pneumonia and things like that as early as December. The, yes. the first confirmed case in the US was like January, right? In Washington state, I believe. Yes, yes. And then, I mean, his, I mean, retrospectively, we know it was probably- It was here before that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But wow. to identify a large group of people that, and again, these were people that were elderly or people that were coming into the hospital, we would treat them for pneumonia, they would go home, and they would be back a couple of weeks later because guess what? We weren't really treating their pneumonia, right. but we hadn't identified it yet. Right. right. And at that point, there could have been numerous non-symptomatics walking around. And that that's why until it gets to, you know, our old people or our, you know, underlying condition friends, that's that's when it really starts to pick up on the. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, what do you think? And you know, I think you can answer this. What do you think led to your getting infected more? The lack of um, the unclear messaging or the lack of preparedness in PPE? So I felt that at the time that I got exposed that um, there was a big concern about not having enough PPEs for the long term. And mm -hmm. so the uh, organizations were actually holding back on what we needed in the moment because they were concerned about not having enough supplies later. And, well, sure. I mean, they were lying to the public saying we didn't need masks when right. messaging acute once they were available was, okay, now that it's available, you should have been wearing well, and masks, the, right? other, the other thing was the CDC was very um, ambivalent about what we needed to do at that time. So I, so from my experience, because I was a nurse for a long time, is we always had a certain kind of PPE we wore for TB patients. I, right. I remember going to my bosses and saying we need that same ppe for this group of people because we really don't know what we're dealing with and them saying well the cdc says we don't need to do that and me saying i don't care what the cdc says i'm the one out there and i'm telling you the maximum protection we can get is what we should be doing and not getting support for that and so that was my frustration in the work environment and many nurses were that we were saying and still say what we need and what we're getting is not ample. And so in my role, um, if a patient was deteriorating on a general floor and um, I would be called to help rescue that patient by the staff because there was no physician present and I would be called to a room and, and they were in rule out COVID and I would get there and then the supplies I needed to go into the, that room were not there. Why weren't they there? Because we were rationing them. 
and I'm like, why are you rushing them? I need them right now. And I, yeah. I kind of pushed that with my, my employer about why we, I need it right now. I don't need it later. I need it now. And so that yeah. dilemma was going on, not just at our facility, but I think at many facilities where the supply issue was a big problem. So people were in the moment and they didn't have what they needed. And that's how I got exposed. In your, no, I know. Oh, I'm sorry. I was say, so in your long career, was that the first time that you ever felt like the CDC kind of let you down? I, I can say that we prepared for H1N1, uh -huh. we prepared for Ebola, we prepared for a lot of stuff. And we, we had kind of like an advanced warning that it was coming. And so there was a lot of preparation for it. This was kind of a blindsided kind of thing because um, to me, the people that are clinical, when they're sounding the alarm, it wasn't really heard. And even though it wasn't documented somewhere, people that were frontline were like, okay, there's something not right here. So it's something unusual. There's something concerning, but we didn't really feel that we were really getting heard because it didn't come from higher authority. And that was the frustration. The CDC wasn't there for us in a way that they need to be or whoever knew whatever was going on. It wasn't communicated. And, you know, I actually went for FEMA training um, in Alabama about a year and a half ago or two years ago now. And the, we were trained for this stuff. I mean, it was an, it's a national effort. And I'm like, this was a time it should have been implemented nationwide and it wasn't so that was another thing to me it's like we do have processes in place here but they're not being can utilized you, so that was frustrating can for you, us as well can can, can you sorry can, can you talk about that when we were talking out of the gazebo that night you talked about these procedures and you talked about the value of public health yes. and i really think even though we were going through the pandemic that conversation solidified in my mind the institute of public health as this like all-encompassing being that really doesn't threaten you. It just gives you advice and you fucking listen. Uh, can you talk about that more in a way that can maybe appeal to people that I think like you are a little bit more, no offense, I, we don't need to talk about other politics, but more on the conservative spectrum of things. Like most conservatives don't want to do what the government quote unquote tells them, but you seem to see that differently under the eyes of public health. Right. Can so you split so that hair? I, I look back to like, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, Polio was a big thing in our country. I mean, it was horrible. And people got the polio vaccine. It wasn't really, do I want it? Do I not want it? You know, yeah. it was a matter of for public health, you just did it. And so that kind of attitude towards um, getting, you know, the polio vaccine was kind of that thing. And I think for nowadays, um, it's kind of like I, I totally believe in individual rights and individual opinions, but there is a certain degree of um, ownership or responsibility to common man that you live with to, to look at public health and what's best for the public. And if, if I have to do a little part, even if it's just wearing a mask or whatever right now, whatever that is I need to do for the better good, I need to do it because it's the right thing to do. So I think that, you know, times have changed since the fifties and sixties and I get that, but there is a public good that's not political, it's based on science and it's based on doing the right thing for your society that really it's it's bigger than you. And, and just understanding that you have kind of a responsibility and obligation to do what's the right thing, you know, for the people that are standing next to you or for your right. society. Yeah.
It's um yeah, it's it I had an analogy that I I thought of this weekend and I'm glad you're here to run it by. Did you ever smoke? Many years ago I quit when I was probably 30 years old, so that was a long time. Okay. How similar could you compare smoking inside to not wearing a mask? To me, at first, it seems like an inconvenience to you until you realize how much you're doing that's actually affecting everybody else more. Does that sound like an apt comparison, especially when you talk about secondhand smoke killing something like 41,000 people a year? Right. And I I remember back in the day, this people, uh, they, they can't believe this, but I remember in the early part of my career, nurses and doctors would go in the lounge and they would smoke a cigarette on their break. Yeah. It was inside, uh, inside, on yeah. the break room in the hospital. Yeah, right. I mean, it was just like common practice. Okay, so that <laughs> yeah. Was a, well, that doctors was, are still the biggest smokers. Some I, of them I mean, are, but, but yeah, kind of like people smoked yeah. on their break. It was just that it was the culture that we lived in. Yeah. But I think for me right now is that we have learned over time that whatever practices we adopted to stop smoking was based on some data that showed us results. And so you have to understand that, you know, by me not smoking and you not being exposed to my smoke, it's just a, it's a, it's a very nice humanity kind of thing to do. Right. And masks are nothing. I mean, I was at work wearing masks 12 hours a day, Right. you know, so for you to wear a mask a couple hours in and out of a a store or in and out of a restaurant, we're talking about a short period of time. It's really not, it's really not a big deal at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I tend to agree. Yeah. yeah we were talking actually um, just earlier on the show, we were talking about mask wearing and I compared it to seatbelts, but you know, it's a similar thing. Yeah. It's, it's just a social good that we can all agree is better for our society that we do. There's no reason that that should be politicized at all. Right. Just a little bit of common sense, maybe, maybe some basic like understanding of scientific literature, but yeah. like that, that's all just critical thinking. Not you know? much. If, if if I'm not taking too much of your time, can we get into some of the news about the vaccine this week? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that. So so last week we had the Pfizer announcement um, yeah. saying that they had their uh, vaccine, which was showing very good promise, 90% effectiveness, I believe is what they said. This week, I think on Monday, we had the Moderna vaccine results come out showing 94.5% effectiveness. Of course, these are not like peer-reviewed papers or anything at this point. They're they're press releases from these companies, but we have no reason to believe that they're inaccurate. Um, They seem to be sort of taking a similar tack in how they're going after the virus by attacking that that spike protein, uh, which also seems to indicate that you know, there's probably, what, eight or 10 other vaccines in production at the same time, which are also taking similar attacks. And if these are being that successful, it's likely those could be as well. Uh, what's your, are, are you optimistic about, I mean, this, the speed with which we're getting to this is unheard of, right? Are you optimistic about these things actually coming to, to fruition? So in, here, here's my feeling about it. I think the, the, in, from my perspective, is that uh, whether it's Pfizer, Pfizer's vaccine to me is going to be cumbersome to implement. Because of the, because cold, of the cold thing? The cold thing. Yeah. And Can you be cold, Batman? Yeah, it's, it's cold and it's also two shots. Right. And, right. and they're painful. Mm. So you might have oh, some, are yeah, they? they're painful. So you might come in for one shot and go, shit, I'm not going to do this again. Right. And people don't get the second shot, which they need to have to be effective. So I think the Pfizer product is a good idea, 
but I think it's going to be difficult to actually it, it, roll out. Maybe you can maybe you can pre reserve those for like medical workers, people that you can count on right, a little more. Right, somebody that you like. In my work, we had to get the flu shot every year. It wasn't really mm -hmm. uh, uh, like you want it or don't want it. You had to have it. So if you're someone in healthcare, they're going to say you have to have this shot, and then you have to have another one to be employed. So you just right, which is not the general public. Now, Moderna, right. I haven't heard the details about the... I think it's two doses, but it's not cold. It's, it's two doses. Cold. It's cold, but not as cold. Right. Um, so you might have better success with that. I don't know. But I do feel that you may have another product next month because they're right. all very close. Right. That, yeah, product. right. They're so they're using, that they're using that messenger RNA technology that a couple of tech uh, companies have had success with. And then the other thing they're doing is attacking that spike protein so that it can't attach to our body and infect so, us, right? So it might be better to wait another couple months to get the right product than to jump on distributing this one product that's going to be very difficult to reach out to the masses. And, and I, I don't know where they are with all the... Um, phase three trials and all that sort of stuff. But I think that the promising thing for people to keep in mind is that I, we do have a vaccine on the horizon. I do feel it's gonna be available to those that need it the most first. Um, and I think there's gonna be a, like a trickle down effect as time goes on. But I think my concern is that, okay, say you choose not to get the vaccine because you're one of those people that don't wanna get a vaccine and you wanna wait to see if everybody else drops over dead before you get it right. you know what i mean so if you're turns into those, a horse or something if you're one of those people that have that feeling so what happens to you okay so that's going to be the kind of the, the wishy-washy area like i right now i got tested a couple weeks ago i'm eight months out and i still have antibodies okay. oh that's wow yeah which is awesome and i talked to my um family physician to uh yesterday I mean, on uh, Monday, yeah, who said to me that, Beverly, you're, of all my patients, you're the only one that still has antibodies eight months. Oh, wow. Out. That's wonderful. That's from all that time working in the ICU. <laughs> I, was just, I was really exposed, yeah. So yeah, he said, that's yeah. really encouraging. I'm like, yeah, it's nice for me, but I'm like, so to me, I don't need the vaccine right now. Give it to sure. other people that need it. So I think what we're going to have to decide as time goes on is all those people that have had COVID, do they even need the vaccine? Hmm. When do yeah, or how long can when they, they wait? Yeah. When do you get tested right. for antibodies? So there's going to be a whole process just for people that have already had it. Can um, I ask yeah. you one question? Yeah. You said that the um, the Pfizer vaccine was going to be very painful. Is that because of the... All I've, all I've heard is people that are familiar with the vaccine that have, you know, kind of inside connections have said that when you get the shot, it hurts like hell. Huh. Like to the point that you don't well, want the second one? for a couple one. days, and it's like, oh, wow. wow, you can suck it up and be okay with it, and, and then wait another, like, two or three months to get another one. Or you can say, eh, I don't think I want to do that again. <laughs> right. So then, Which so a significant number is going to do. People are kind of covered, but kind of not. So how are we going to mandate people for, to come back for the second shot? And, and how do the, you manage that? How do you manage that? I don't know. Firstborn child. <laughs> We, we we keep their cell phone until they come back. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the problem is that if a certain percentage of the population refuses to get vaccinated, we don't achieve herd immunity. Is that right? 
Well, I think eventually we will have herd immunity. That's just my personal opinion. I think and, and I've heard a lot of intelligent people describe how that really ends up being along the same timeline as when all the vaccines get, end up being distributed. Parallels to that, yes. Yeah, but it's just like the time that we finally get the vaccines, distribute it, get it out, will be almost the exact same time that we achieve herd. But again, herd immunity is a high percentage of the population. And what I say to people is also look at your specific situation and your specific risk and your, you know, so I can look at statistics and I can look at, you know, all this stuff that's out there. But in my little world, what is my risk and benefit to getting a vaccine? What is who people yeah. that I can, if I get it, who can I expose to that are in my little, my little social network that are high risk or not high risk and, and just make decisions based on that. But I really think that, you know, the vaccine to me is not going to, and none of the vaccines are going to be in the market unless they have a really good efficacy, which means a success rate. Right. And that it's not going to, these pharmaceutical companies are not going to expose people to high litigation if it's not. High. Right, right. Because whatever wins is going to go out to everyone, which means everybody. they're going to be responsible so, for every one of those losses. Yeah, they're going to yeah. really make sure they have a good product. It's going to be if there's any flipper babies, they're going to find out about it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be low risk to people to get it, but it's going to be a matter of convincing the general public that they need to take it. So I have a question along those lines. Yeah. When I talked to you over the summer, you had convinced me and then I convinced Alan that this Operation Warp Speed was a good idea. As long as companies like Moderna and Pfizer have met the proper trial design yes, conditions, yes. do you feel like they met that? Because when I see things like 95 patients in the sample group that got infected, I understand that it's okay that it's not a huge number, but I keep seeing that that number needs to be about 150. In fact, on an old article from like two months ago, they said, okay, they're doing stage three trials. We're just waiting until they get 150 cases. They saw that number all over the place. And they're like, hey, we got 95 people sick. It's totally good. It's like, well, that's not even two thirds of 150. Is it because their effectiveness is so high? I think what will happen through this process, the pharmaceutical companies in our country are very closely monitored through the FDA. That's true. I know right. that all the everything we've heard about these is from a third party that's right. announced this. They haven't come out and right. said this. So what you'll see in other countries, which is different than the U.S., and it's been a it's been a complaint, but it's also reality is that other countries will approve things through their government for um, distribution that haven't gone through the scrutiny of our FDA, and so we've streamlined it because of the. The crisis that we're in this country and but i still have faith and confidence in the fda's processes that they're going to get enough um data that because you know what it's not just the government that's looking at it there are other scientists there's other immunologists out there there's so many people that have their eye on this right now that it's not going to go out to the general public unless it's totally scrutinized and so I have a lot of confidence that when it actually does come out to the public, there's going to be a lot of people in this country looking at it that are top notch in their field that aren't going to let it get out on a political basis. It's going to get out because they feel it's a good thing to do for the public and it's safe. Guess what? They're Americans too. You know what I mean? So, and a lot of these people that are in immunology and they're infectious disease physicians, their re reputations are based on their legitimacy. Sure. So they're not going to throw their careers out the window because of some political agenda. So I think that they're going to be kind of our check and balance on things getting distributed. 
and a lot of them work through the FDA or with the FDA. And so I think that we're going to, it's going to be very much looked at before it's going to go out to the public. And I thought it was encouraging about a month or so ago when they paused some of these studies. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. They, they put a, a pause and a timeout because they were like, okay, let's, let's just step back for a minute. Let's slow it down. You know, I know we're trying to, to get it out there, but let's just take a pause. So to me, that was, uh, that gave me a reaffirmation that they were actually doing it right. And they also uh, opened their books and really yeah. were transparent about their processes too of the trial, I believe. Yeah. Trials. Yeah. And that's, it's going to be, it's going to be public. The reason it's going to be public information is not for me and you because we're uh-huh. people basically, but for the scientists that know this stuff are going to look yeah. and go, no. Say, yeah, it's like, like peer review, right. basically. It's like peer review. Yeah. So yeah. to me, I'm confident that before it actually starts to be distributed, I think it's going to be a good product, whatever, whatever well, they end up with. Yeah. Well, your your optimism is, is rubbing off on me, so I, I very much yeah. appreciate it. I understand why yeah. Dustin wanted to have you on the show. Yeah. yeah. I really yeah. appreciate your insights. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I know that when we talked last, both of us were really on the verge of, or if not in tears because of a lot of the personal stories you had to share from that time period, that moment passed. And I'm glad we're not recreating anything like that here, but you know, perhaps we'll have you on the show. You know, if we're, if we're really lucky, I don't ever want to talk to you again, (laughs) but if the world goes the way we expect it to, um, I'd love to have you back on anytime you're available. Sure. Sure. I'd be happy to. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. It was a pleasure to talk with you. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. That was great. Well, that was really fun. Uh, I knew she'd have plenty to say. In fact, I knew like once we were going, if I just set her up, she'd be able to keep talking. Um, but she has a lot to add. Like I know. Oh, that- she was fantastic, and it, the the conversation just kind of flowed. It was kind of. It was just probably one of the easy. I mean. We've had a lot of pretty good interviews, but that was a really easy interview. Yeah, like, it was. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You could tell she's really passionate about what she did for a living because it's just something that she's obviously like interested in and passionate about. Right. You know, like you don't retire from something and then stay that plugged in unless you just love it. You know. Can you imagine having? I mean, the no, I can't imagine what she's the... described to me that she didn't talk about. Like the yeah. one of the things that like because she really got into it more when I talked to her about the procedural stuff that you don't think about like. The fact that it's like once that went into that room, that item is fucked and you burn it. So it's like, okay, right. well, I brought, I walked into that room and you're like, ah, shit, I need to get my stethoscope. I, obviously not the stethoscope, but right. like then you leave and you, you know start over. what happens then? Like I don't know, do they burn it? I can't remember. But like the just little shit like that that you don't consider shows how quickly they went through that PPE and why rashing it in the way they were really put people at risk um, early on. What a horrific place to be put in. Yeah, you got to go in that room, but also um, you have to ration those masks and, and gowns. Like, what the... Remember when they were telling them to put it in a brown paper bag and put it in the oven for 120 degrees or something, 200 degrees? Dude, there was all kinds of crazy stuff, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, right. Well, speaking of the vaccine, I actually had a couple other things before we end up going to half. Um, guess who was a major donor early on for Moderna's vaccine and covalescent and Moderna's covalescent plasma research? Um... It was. Um, Did you hear about this? Hillary Clinton. God, you're and... so close. Dolly Parton. <laughs> what? Wait, how's that close? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Are you serious? I'm One of them is like the nicest person on the planet, and right. the other one's got big boobs. I'm just kidding. Hillary's not nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, 
that uh yeah she donated a million dollars like super early on like in march which i know that's not like big money when the government's fucking around with trillions but like i thought that was pretty cool it's just another feather in her hat she is the best person in america and does not get enough credit for it yeah she is super kind you know she gave her songbook royalties to her song her co-writer early on who did almost nothing except be the man that allowed her to have a career you know about that story? Uh, not not in depth. I, I don't. I don't. I, of... If I really knew this, I'd know the guy's name. But they were like they wrote things together and performed, and then when they split as an act, he's like, "You can't do that. I own you." And she's like, "You know what? You can have that if that's what matters to you. Here's the royalties. I'm leaving. Wow. Not in a mean way. Right? Yeah. She's just a great person. She's okay. like Oprah that doesn't want the spotlight." I mean, she has giant boobs that she made herself. I think she wanted the spotlight, but okay. Um, In a different way. I understood what you meant. Speaking of the virus, did you know that mink can transmit the virus? Mink. I I did hear this. You heard about this? (laughs) Yes. Let me go on then. Um, Yes, do tell. In fact, they're the only animal known that we can transmit transmit coronaviruses through, or especially this one. So there's a culling. you, You know that word means, right? A culling? Yeah, they're killing all of them. Of 17 million farmed mink in Denmark. Um, I didn't know they were farming mink, to be honest. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. I, what, you think they're out there like some trappers out there catching all the mink and, the, and turning them into coats? Mink? In Co- Denmark, I, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Which is hilarious, right? Because like, normally this is a tragedy when they kill these animals for fur, but then they're like, no, kill them anyways. We're like, yeah, do it. Kill them for nothing. I guess, I guess coats are going to be cheap this year. Huh? Probably. Uh so, by the way, just an update, still no pangolin confirmation, but there are 200 people whose mutated virus tracks back to a mink that was carrying it. And that's how, how they determine How do people come this. in contact with this mink? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was only like 10 or 20 people. It was a popular mink. <laughs> I, gu- I guess we've always known that minks can transmit coronavirus. It's so, it's concerning. So, here's why this is an, uh, an important news item. It's concerning that the mutations they see uh, on this virus that go through the mink. So, so what I mean to say is there's mutations that are happening to the coronavirus once it's in the mink and then leaves the mink and goes back into human populations. And those mutations occur on the proteins, on those spike proteins that are being targeted by the vaccine. So, so they're trying to kill all these minks so they don't get the coronavirus, come up with a way that our vaccine can't attack yeah the, the the spike protein and if you want to be a nerd about it it's called virus cluster five and it's specifically or it's that uh that spike protein hey have you heard about the uh the russian vaccine sputnik five yes recently... we talked about it here sputnik five because it means travel companion it, they've they've just come out and said it's 92 percent effective well yeah because they tried it on a bunch of fucking ukrainians probably or chechens I feel like it's 92% effective, like Putin won 92% of the uh, electorate. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe they stole it like they did the 2016 election. Alan, you want to go to break? Let's go to break. I'll see you on the B side. I'm not arguing that one. (laughs) This is the B side of our platter, sports fans. And I'm singing just for you, covered in sequins. In the canyons of your mind I will wander through your brain 
so we are going back to Lindsay Ramp. Oh, little ladybugs himself. I'm in love with you Lindsey Graham? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's just my little ladybugs. <laughs> Who did you think I was quoting when I was talking about Georgia last week? Georgia, uh, have you seen my little ladybugs? <laughs> Do you know what aphids are, Georgia? You see, aphids live on the bottom side of the plants. The bottom, the dirty, hidden side. And aphids, they eat the plant. They eat it from the bottom, from the backside, the devil's way. That's why I have my little ladybugs down there to nibble away at the aphids and preserve my plant. Be right by the Lord, Georgia. Let's go beat them Catholics. <laughs> I was not expecting that turn. Well, they don't uh, like Catholics, I think. That's what I've decided. Did you, Georgians are Baptists and they hate Catholics. I could be completely wrong. I don't know anything about Georgia. Did you watch that movie, though, Midnight House of Cards? Oh, no, I forgot. I'm sorry. God damn it. I know. I watched um, I watched three movies this week. I watched more than three movies, and I didn't watch that. I keep forgetting. Okay, I'll no put worries. it on my list. You're good. I only watched one movie. Well, you'll tell me about it at the end of the show. I shall. Uh, you had something about old little ladybugs himself. Yeah, so the Secretary of State for Georgia, um, who, uh, Georgia, one of the states that, that went for Biden somewhat surprisingly um, this year, although Stacey Abrams uh, gave it a pretty good run in 2018, um, and a lot of people are giving her credit for Biden's success there mm -hmm. this year, and her get out the vote, and all that kind of stuff. Anyways, so the Secretary of State for Georgia, who also is a Republican, uh, came out and said that he was receiving some pressure from uh Prom <laughs> from prominent Republicans um, to potentially throw out um, mail-in ballots that were pro-Biden and to uh, have you had your pro-Bidens this morning? I have them every morning. Yeah, you got to have at least like a hundred billion pro-Bidens. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Are you pro or antibiotics? I like both. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's a modern man. You know, you, your microbiome is important. It is. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's why I fill mine with Kraft macaroni and cheese. Where were you? <laughs> so it came out, I think it was today, that one of these prominent Republicans who actually called him was Lindsey Graham. Oh. Now, now Lindsey Graham, what the state is he from? ladybug. What state is he from again? Uh, North Carolina. South Carolina. Fuck. Um, but can you... So a senator from the state of South Carolina called oh. the Secretary of State in Georgia oh. to discuss what? their election results. Seriously? Does that not sound crazy to you? That, I mean, that sounds like fraud. That sounds like things that would make you question the integrity of our electoral system. It sounds like things that we're supposed to be talking about outside agitators about, not elected officials. Um, I got to tell you, when I read this story, I was like, wait, am I? You know, it didn't even I connect with me because Lindsey Graham's such a piece of shit. I was like, of course he did that. But it was like, it, it took you saying it right now to recognize he's from another state and had no business doing that. Right. I was really confused. I was like, wait, is Lindsey Graham really from Georgia? I don't, why? Do, do you think that there's a senator right now that you can think of that is Trump, but with better messaging or the ability to message better and stay stay focused? Like, I, I hear a lot of people say Ted Cruz. I hear people say Lindsey Graham is, I keep saying sycophant to describe these people, but I don't think Lindsey Graham has, like, he, he, 
he strikes me as someone that will do what he's told, but doesn't think of things that are exciting on his own to try to get his own uh, principles accomplished, which I think he lacks. Um, but he does well for other people, just like Mitch McConnell, right? Like their purpose is to acquire power like a dragon acquires gold just to have it. (laughs) You know, like they just want to sit on it and have the power so that you can't. My dog does that with balls, by the way. It's really fucking annoying. It's like, I'm trying to play fetch. Why are they all here? It's an interesting metaphor. And well, I think it no, fits. she was really rude because I had another dog that was too fat to get under the ottoman and she would take all the treats and hide them under the ottoman <laughs> and wouldn't play with them. It was like, well, that's mean. So just to get back to, to what allegedly Lindsey Graham said, which, by the way, he's, he has admitted uh, on camera that he did call the Secretary of State. Now, he... I, I, there's probably nothing illegal to that. He has some issues with the way the, the Secretary of State in Georgia characterized the conversation, but the way the sex state in Georgia characterized it was that he was calling to discuss throwing out mail-in ballots in counties with high rates of signature mismatches. <laughs> so just to describe what that is, is that these ballots go through machines and they compare them to the signature that's in your DMV file. Um, and if they That's match, the signature, the DMV file? Yeah. And that's if hilarious. they match... If they match, it's good. If they don't match, then it actually gets reviewed by like a real person, I think, in some percentage of the point of, of the time. Um, and so he was just saying, you know, all these these counties where the the rates are a little bit higher of these signatures not matching, why don't we just throw all those ballots out? Can we do that? And obviously that would sway the election. That would change. Oh no, this totally seems reasonable. Why don't we just throw out all these ballots on a whim because you think their signatures don't look right? Alan, I had to reach into my wallet and double check. Yeah. That is not my signature. That's what's on my driver's license, but that's not my signature. I was at the DMV and I paid for a license and I signed a little machine. I did what kind of looks like a signature. I don't really have a signature. It's not that important to me. In fact, recently, like a year and a half ago, I got a I got a ticket and the cop like finished everything. I signed it. He was walking back uh, and he was like, what? And he turns around. He's like, this doesn't match your driver's license. And I had to look at my driver's license and re-sign the ticket. I was like, I'm me. Like you proved I was me. Like the, I, I really feel like there's a clear line somewhere around 1992 where if you're born before it, your signature has almost a mythical quality to it, equating roughly somewhere between a courtroom Bible and a fraternity <laughs> handshake. I mean, have you heard the phrase make your mark in Westerns, Alan? Yeah, you put the X. You know what that's for? People that are illiterate put the X. Right, yeah, Well, yeah. It's, but it's your mark. It's like that way right. you could identify your mark compared to someone else. Like, dude, I don't fucking know well, what my signature looks like. I'm sorry, and I don't, like, I really don't think that the time I put into considering my, my vote should be tossed out because I have, have bad handwriting. Like, So here's what I'll say is that as somebody who spent... Um, many years in, in low-level management positions in the 90, like late 90s, mm-hmm. early 2000s, where everything was done on paper, and I had to sign like 400 things a day. I might be exaggerating slightly there. Yeah, it was um, probably more. My signature has deteriorated significantly over time to the point where now it is, because I had to sign so many things, right? right? My signature looks like a circle, that's the D, and then a, two slashes, that's the H. That's my signature. My signature looks like a... Z kind of, but I will tell you that before signing ZJ? my, <laughs> if you got to ask, um, <laughs> before I signed my ballot, I literally pulled out my, my driver's license and like practiced <laughs> copying it just so it would match in this. You system. know, I, I actually think I did on this one too, because I mailed mine in. 
because I knew that was yeah. the thing they were looking at. Yeah, so to be like, fair, I feel like I have heard that this came up and I knew that there was fuckery around this election. But like, that, think about how informed we are. Like, right. imagine if you're a normal person, it's like, God, I can't wait to vote this motherfucker out. And then you get there and it's like, well, I don't like the way you use your hand. It's <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Do you want yeah. to talk about this leaked Washington Post? Uh, con- or there was a conference call from the Democratic Party that was leaked to the Washington Post. Yeah, actually, okay. I do. I really want to talk to Richie Serjanko about it, but we will have him on in the future. I know, we, I, I because talk they talked to AOC, right? Yeah, well, I know. I want to hear what he has to think not about. Specifically, that part. So, so what you're talking about is there was a conference call, sort of doing a post mortem on what happened to the Democrats in this election, specifically around. You know, there was a lot of optimism going into this election that the the Dems were going to pick up significant seats in the House, or at least hold their margin, right? Um, and also potentially take the Senate. There were a lot of uh, Senate races wherein the Democrats thought they had a real shot. There were millions and millions and millions of dollars poured into these races um, in an attempt to push that over the line. What ended up happening was, of course, the Dems actually lost seats in the House. Um, they also did, well, the Senate's not done yet, but they have to win two runoff elections in Georgia. One seems highly unlikely that they will win because the Lady election, bugs. well, because the election that they weren't able to get to 50% had two Republicans and one Democrat in it. So it's likely that the one Republican that lost those votes will switch to the other Republican, sure. right? Yeah. And the other one is, is Ossoff, which... It's still a long shot, but right. even if they got him, that still doesn't get them the majority. No, right? it's very likely they'll get both of those. Yeah, the Republicans, yes. Yeah, so this this conference call was sort of... Um, did they identify the person that was actually talking on the call? The the female voice? Yeah. I No, I think there was more to the call. I think that's just the segment they played on the New York Times podcast. Right. Yeah. It seemed like she was part of the DNC in some way. Yeah, I. you but know what? Really they, did she... know, they did identify the person. I just don't recall. Okay, but really what the person was saying on the call was that the the progressive wing of the party really hurt the Democrats in this election. That they never, that they they should never use the word socialism ever again in their messaging. Well, it was socialism and defund the police were the two things that she sort of keyed in on as being the sort of the touch points to what um, prevented them from maintaining their seats in the House and picking up seats in the Senate. Um and so this reporter calls AOC and talks to her about this call because obviously AOC is sort of the default representative of the more progressive wing of the mm-hmm. of the Democratic Party. And she talks about how tough it's been for her as a progressive in the party. She talked about the fact that she thought about quitting, about not even running again, which I don't know if I believe. No. Uh, she, <laughs> But she talked about She'd there being real... being a bartender? No, right. she wouldn't. She'd sell books. What am I fucking talking about? That was rude. Sorry. She talked about there being like real vitriol within the party behind the scenes for the ideas that the progressives were pushing. The reason I was interested in talking to, to, to Richie about this was just that, you know, obviously he's out there on the front lines in a very progressive movement. Um, the, the Sunrise Movement, of which he's a part of, like immediately, I think the day after Biden was um, announced as the president-elect, had a post on Instagram where they said, fuck Joe Biden, right? Which and they said, look, he won the election. Now we have to talk about progressive shit, and we have to try and. Move and they were the saying party. that before the election, they were saying, you know, tomorrow we try to win, and the next day we try to push them as far to the left as we can. Right. 
Um, so I just found that really interesting. Um, you know, we've talked on the show before about the Democratic Party being a sort of a big tent party. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked about various swings of the party. We talked about Bernie Sanders a lot, et cetera. Um, they they it, talked. To, you go ahead. So it feels, you know, obviously Biden is a centrist, and we all know that. Kamala, Kamala is is a centrist as well, for the most part, Cut. right? <laughs> um, and so it's, it'll be really interesting to see where the party goes, especially now that they, you know, they don't have the Senate. Um, it looks like, as far as any agenda, is going to be very difficult to push forward, especially if it's a more progressive one. I I don't um, know anything about how to craft and disseminate political messages but sure if i was in the room with people that knew how to get those down on paper i'd say your goal is to have two messages one that if you live in a city a highly let's say urban environment that our focus for you is to reduce funding to the police to a level that gets them what they need for essential services and redirect that funding to places that will better serve you and then to people outside of cities, you obviously don't seem to be complaining about this problem. Therefore, we will address what your needs are. And you would message through your candidates to their constituents instead of saying, I'm this person all the way to the White House. Like, that's just stupid. That's not the way we were. I, I don't understand why we would imagine ourselves that way. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you look at the constituents that Trump won, it's the primarily it's the white, uneducated voter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of the direction the Republican Party has taken oh, via the dude. Well, no, I've got it's worse than that. Can I interrupt you? I, I apologize. Sure, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. there was a county commission in Florida that had four GOP candidates in it. A county commission race that had four GOP candidates in it, and all four of them had compelling messages about like what's the word labor labor housing, something like that. It was like, I, I don't even understand this word, but it was like, it was like getting housing for people in the labor market. I don't know. Like they, they had actual like, agen- the fact that like I couldn't affordable explain. affordable housing. It wasn't affordable housing. It, okay. it, it Yeah. It, maybe it was a euphemism for affordable housing, but the point was mm-hmm. they had messaging that was like, this is a policy. This is what I've thought about. This is how it makes your life better. And they get zero, zero, zero traction. All four of them, nothing changes anything. And then one of them goes, even though his message does not mirror Donald Trump's and in many ways opposes Donald Trump, he'll say, I like Donald Trump more than my opponent does because it's probably true because maybe none of them like Donald Trump. <laughs> and right. now all of the people in that county will vote for him that like Donald Trump. So it's just, it has completely hijacked our election process, having a demagogue that can, you know, just that can, that can augment the way we even perceive election choice do you think that shifts in in 2022 or 2024 no um i just really hope that we start what i said earlier happens we start to say okay well i kind of like what i'm getting back from government now and that's going to take some time but if the biden administration can show us that the return we're getting is something worthwhile then we won't have that immediate pushback that we have now to almost anything government proposes, even if it's your team proposing it. Oftentimes it's just like, no, can you just don't? Yeah, I don't know how much they're going to be able to deliver with without having the Senate, but but we shall see. I, what I was going to say earlier was that... Well, wait, wait. Um, 
I have a thought on that. Okay. Did Biden not spend his entire career in Congress? Yes, he did. Well, except there, for eight years as vice president. There, sure. There, well, he's the head of the Senate there. Sure, okay. So he supposedly has this career of networking that he's made, and he's just been waiting to not have anybody above him and be his own man and draw on all those connections and really be the communicator and um, deal maker that Trump never could be. Now, I don't believe any of the words I just said, but I hope for them. I, I really think that's the only way we're getting out of this, man, together. Otherwise, the it'll be a cold the, so civil the problem, war. The problem with that is that the people in power, at least currently, uh, in the Republican Party, specifically Mitch McConnell, guys right. like that, it, are is, and, and have gotten progressively, I would say, worse over the, la- over the, the years. What do you mean by of, worse? Of just strictly being obstructionists. Mm-hmm. They're, not, yep. they're, not, they're not interested in governing, right? right? They're right. just interested in preventing... Right, I agree. Everything that I was hopeful for would have to exist in a vacuum, and that's not going to happen. There's going to be pushback trying to stop everything, even if it helps them by the Republicans. Well, I mean, if you think about the Supreme Court nomination, so Obama, (laughs) Obama's Supreme Court nomination that they said, no, 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 we can't do that. Uh, You can't do that when the president's, you know, about to be done with this term. Not not eight years from, not eight months from now. No, that's the will of the people, man. We can't can't have that. Yeah. And then with Trump, they do it with like what two months left? I don't know, and days. and completely. All it showed was that their true intent was power. Power. And if if we didn't already know that, they just made it really evident. Yeah. And they said "fuck you," and that's what we're gonna do, right? Yeah. Um. So, and I don't know that. And I then mean, they lost an election, and they're trying to steal it. I just, guess Bob Dole would have done the same thing if he had the opportunity. Um, I don't know. It feels like it was different then. I'm not sure. You, I like that. That was sarcastic, right? Like, it's, Yeah, it was. Pat Buchanan might have, but I don't see Bob Dole doing that. Yeah, I know. Uh, so I'm just saying that, that they, you know, there's I, somebody wrote a book about it. I don't remember who, but that the, a lot of what the Republican Party has become is one of obstruction as opposed to governance. They're mm-hmm. not super interested in actually getting anything done, right? I, I think that you could win an argument with that thesis, yeah. <sighs> Because the, the modern version of the Republican Party came about as the death throes of the Tea Party movement, whose essential, essentially all they can ever point back at and claim is they made things hard for Obama. They, they lost their principles. And then after this last election, there were like very vocal calls from online libertarians saying, it's time for uh, Tea Party 2.0. It's like, what? Is anybody asking for this? Nobody wants this. Nobody Don't wants do this. that. Don't do this. There is no political capital available for this. Please go away. Yeah, let's have more government shutdowns because that was yeah. fun. We already have it. Like it's, you know, it's this version of Trumpism. Yes. Hey, um, should we move on to a really fun story? Uh, yeah. Wait, weren't we supposed to have a question? Oh, yeah, let's have a question. <clears throat> okay, I'm ready when you are. Okay, I'm going to say question... Um, I don't even know how many there are. So I'm going to say nine. Uh, I, you know what? I've been waiting for you to ask me this one for several weeks. Oh, sweet. Does the wrestler name Kamala mean anything to you? It, vaguely, but no, not really. So he was a giant, like, mm, you know what? I'm guessing he's probably just going off wrestling's track record. I'm guessing he wasn't the ethnicity he was pretending to be. Um, <laughs> okay. So he was this uh, giant wrestler who passed away. Do you want to guess when? 
1983. The day before Kamala Harris was announced president, as vice what? president, as, as the running mate. Do you want to guess his real last name? His first name is not Kamala. Is his real last name Harris? It is. What the fuck? <laughs> Dude, Hillary 2.0, they're going to be calling her Kalama or some bullshit. Dude, the Matrix is cracking, and I want the uh, do I want the blue pill or the red pill? I can't uh, Red pill wakes you up. Okay, I want the blue one then. Okay. <laughs> All right, so fun story. Oh? So it was reported last week that Trump uh, convened with some of his senior staff and asked for military options to attack Iran. Oh, my God. Okay, so I didn't even know about this, and I saw it on the show sheet, and I was like, I'm already having a panic attack about Michigan right now. I can't, I can't, I can't process this. You're telling me it didn't happen, clearly. It didn't happen. Okay, cooler what's... heads prevailed. So this is literally... This, Mark this Esper happened. wasn't there. It's Ellis that got promoted up. Ellis, that guy from Die Hard that uh, <laughs> lied to Hans Gruber about being friends with... Uh, I'm reading the list of people that were there, and I don't see his name. Okay. Um, so this this dropped yesterday in the Times. President Trump asked senior advisors in an Oval Office meeting on Thursday whether he had options to take action against Iran's main nuclear site in the coming weeks. The meeting occurred a Do day you mean the after one that they're working on because you voided the, the nuclear, nuclear deal? deal between the two? Oh, that one. So he wants to bomb these motherfuckers over a plant that they started after we left a deal? You know what I have to say? Did I cut ahead of your story for that? I'm so sorry, but that's... No, I, you didn't. I was going to bring that up, but no. Uh, I've but I spent I my have... motherfucking life listening to these assholes <laughs> say that we need to go to war with Iran, and I'm tired of it. Like, there has never been a day in my life where I have been afraid of Iran. Not once. Not once. No, there was. It was last year when Trump almost went to war with <laughs> Iran after he killed their general. Other than that, I've never been afraid of Iran. So, actually, the one thing I have to say here as a caveat is that of all the crazy insane shit that has happened crazy insane or insane crazy I, sure when i, I say hussein you say shady. Oh, shady now i gotta cut all this out i'm sorry i'm sorry for interrupting you so much i will stop and calm down you'll have to back up do you not remember those lines crazy insane or insane crazy oh, when i say I hussein y'all say shady see you you pay way more attention to rap lyrics than i, I, do. I just like, certain stupid lines get stuck in my fucking stuck, head yeah you get earworms. And that one goes backwards and then forwards. And I was like, oh, that works. Crazy insane. <laughs> <laughs> so President Trump asked senior advisors in an Oval Office meeting on Thursday whether he had options to take action against Iran's main nuclear site in the coming weeks. The meeting occurred a day after international inspectors reported a significant increase in the country's stockpile of nuclear material. A range of senior advisors, including Mike Pence, Michael Mike Pence. Pompeo, Christopher Miller, who is the acting defense secretary, and then General Mark A. Milley, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, warned that a strike against Iran's facilities could easily escalate into a broader conflict in the last weeks of Mr. Trump's presidency. Now, what, just the thing I, I, I wanted to say earlier about like a caveat to this is that Trump, one of the few redeeming qualities that Trump has, I think, is that he's anti-war. And he has been anti-war on the record for decades, I think, at this point. And I think that goes back to the he way he's actively talking about a rapid withdrawal from every nation that we're at war with, which I am in love with, other than the fact that it's rapid and that's the worst way to do it, uh, even though this is the best thing to do. So simultaneously, this motherfucker is talking about starting a war. See, here's the thing is, I, you know, I think when he asks questions like that, it's because he's the little 
the kid in the in the room that doesn't understand. Like he's literally like, can I just bomb that without pissing them off? Right, I think so. Because he's been you anti-war know, like, on the he's record. A, he's a habitual line stepper, and he's just like, you know yeah. what? I bet I could do that. I, you yeah. know what? I could punch Fuck this it. person <laughs> right here, and nobody would say anything. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it goes back to his roots of uh, you know how he dealt with the Vietnam War as a, as a younger person. Um, I think that really instilled in him sort of these anti-war, I don't know, ethos, if, which is crazy for me to even say on the on microphone that he, he has, has an ethos. ethos. Uh, say what but you if want about uh, modern tenets <laughs> and socialism, at least, at least it's an ethos, yeah. Niles. Fuck me. I mean, say what you want about the tenets of national socialism, dude. At least it's an ethos. Yeah. But I, it's like, if if he had one, that's it. Like, and that's the one he's held for me. <laughs> I've never been able to appropriately quote that scene from the Big Lebowski. Like that fit the conversation. It, nailed it. Um, he's had that stance for many years, and he hasn't started a war. You know, and I, to your does point, a I civil think, one count? Well, that hasn't technically happened yet. Does either. a cold one count? Oh shit. Maybe. Does a cold civil war count? No. I'll take that off the Dustin's questions list because that's been sitting there for weeks. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. No, a cold civil war doesn't count because that's just culture happening. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, so anyways, that happened. Uh, risk averted. He did not bomb Iran. So wow. nothing to see here. Move along. Yeah. Okay. Number 15 is off the list too now. Got it. All right. All right. Uh, I was topic. paying attention. I realized I was talking off mic. Hi, listeners. <laughs> you have a topic. Uh, no, I mean, just in that general conversation, I, how do you see that, like, Trump's always scheming. So right there, we've talked about a couple of things that we don't know where they're going, and maybe he doesn't. But ultimately, how do you see all this ending? I, I have my version. You mean the election or mm, transfer of power? Y- yes, or? yes, the transfer of power. Okay. Or the lack of it. How do you see this ending? So I think I kind of telegraphed my position here earlier in that I I think that he will wait till the very last possible second to see if some sort of shoe drops that gives him any kind of crack to attack the system from. And until that very last second passes... He's not going to admit to anything. He's not going to admit to defeat. He's not going to concede. He's going to do everything he can to stymie the transition. But once that happens, once that last second passes, I don't know that he'll necessarily admit defeat still at that point. I'm sure that he will you know, say the, the election was stolen, it was rigged, it was fraud, all that stuff. But I think that ultimately he will leave peacefully and i think that biden will take power without any sort of incident or any sort of violence so the phrase there'll be a transfer of power but there'll be no concession yeah and and the the transfer of power won't be smooth obviously because he won't let it be well as someone who likes to think dialectically i suppose i'm fine with that (laughs) okay (laughs) uh my my opinion i i'm of a mind i share the opinion of fellow podcaster and newsman buzz burbank oh who says i mean at you're in good company i know right so i heard him say this and it actually reminded me of the way hunter thompson talked about 
the wheels on Marine One going from flat to round as it slowly lifted up and departed from the White House lawn, and he knew that Nixon was gone and like his work was done. I got that vibe listening to Buzz. Do you remember that? If you that heard... was from Fear and Loathing in the election. No, it was oh. just a piece in Rolling Stone, I think, or the, okay. something he wrote. Yeah. Um, I think on January, uh, I think at 12.01 p.m. on January 21st, it it's called Marine One. I, I don't think it's actually entitled as Marine One, but that helicopter will lift off from the White House lawn, taking Trump to an awaiting Air Force plane, which will take him to any location he wishes within the United States. And I see no reason not to expect prosecutors from the Southern District of New York to meet him at the bottom of those stairs when he lands. I don't know if that's, I mean, I, I would love to imagine, imagine that being the case, but I, I don't know if that's a likely scenario. There's victims of his crimes. You're, yeah. Like, I, do you I hear think what you're saying? He, no, I, I do hear what I'm saying. I think that he will either be pardoned um, why? in some way because he'll arrange it. No, but why? I, I just mean why should he be pardoned? Oh, I don't, I don't, so... That's if he's not in power, why would anyone be compelled to help him? Fear? Also, do you think he's going to live long out of office? If there's secrets you know while you're president, uh, do you think this blabbermouth's allowed walking around with him? <laughs> Interesting. CIA, once they're like, oh, he's not our boss anymore. We, we, you know, it's messy when the CIA kills the president when they're in office. They really learned that under Kennedy. And they're like, you know, sometimes those things backfire. We got to come up with something else here. You said that with such a smile on your face. I don't it's know. a Lenny Bruce uh, line, actually. And he's like, uh, you know, can't we just, like, kill one of the cabinet members? And he's like, well, I don't know. Sometimes those things backfire. That's a joke in, like, 1958. <laughs> it was pretty fucking great. <laughs> so to, back to your question, though. Yeah. I, I could see um, I could see Biden pardoning him as a matter of of precedent and as a matter of wanting to restore honor to the office and letting that sort of I I genuinely think it would do the opposite. I think if you want to restore honor to this office, you hold people accountable to the discipline that I mean, look, you you can't get respect without achieving some sort of self discipline and he has not exhibited any, so it has to be applied to him externally. So I don't I, I, I don't disagree with you, but I, I could still see somebody I could still see Biden doing it. Um, I could also see Trump walking away and Pence taking power for a week and doing it. Um, I, I, you know, I could see multiple scenarios by which he is pardoned. Um, I hadn't heard that before, that him walking away. Oh, yeah, that's been talked about. Uh, I believe Even Michael after Co- the election, it had been talked yeah, about? Michael, yeah, Michael Cohen, uh, his former personal yeah. uh, fixer, said that he thinks that's the most likely scenario. That's the person I, I, that also said that Trump will never never concede power. Yep. He said it's antithetical to what he was raised and how he was taught. Right, but saying that doesn't mean that he's sure. not that not going to violently, you know, try to stay in the the White House, he just do it in a different way. Um so I, I could see any of those things happening. I, I man, I would love to see that man in handcuffs if that's your point. Yeah. Uh but I don't know if that's what's best for the country. Okay. Uh, I I feel like this national nightmare should be moved on from as quickly as possible. 
I, I, man, I disagree. I don't think that you, I, th I think that if you commit crimes like this while you're in office, you need to be held accountable to it. I just, I just think that there's no way to avoid somebody using the same avenues of attaining power and doing a better job at wielding it than he did. Uh, and it seriously fucking us up. Like there's just, there's very clear flaws to our method of being governed and it's too easy to have a charismatic person be elected that's absent of morals. Yeah, I, but that's always been the case. Oh, I know our presidents have been <laughs> terrible. I understand. But... <laughs> right. I, I mean, if you read the, the Woodward's book about Nixon and the, the kind of the final days of his administration, it's pretty, dude, the man was unhinged and he was, you know, the people around him were, were concerned that he might do some crazy shit. Um, and Ford pardoned him, right? I mean, that's yeah. what happened. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, I, you know, there's, it's sort of like yeah, the death F penalty Ford thing. was in his, in his administration. I yeah. mean, I, I, I wonder, I wonder what Carter would have done. Well, I mean, this is sort of the Pence thing, right? That could Penis. happen. <laughs> uh, oh, anyways. there's a quarterback for Indiana whose name is Penix, spelled Penix. Like penis. It's spelled penis with an X, like Latinx. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, he's a good quarterback. Cool. Indiana's Wait, Indiana, man. Yeah. I was going to say, Indiana, you're all about Indiana I, right now. They're fantastic. I want them to make the Big Ten. They might beat Ohio State either this week or next week. Cool. Yeah. I have no frame of reference to any of that. Yeah, I know. I was about to tell you what happened last year in their game, and I was like, that won't matter. <laughs> <laughs> it won't matter to the listeners. Uh, do you want to talk about that Sam Harris topic or do another question or? Let's fit in one more question. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Uno mas. Uno mas. I'm going to go with number one. So that looks this is the one you're going to squeeze in. Yeah. Uh, were you a Boy Scout, Alan? Oh, God. I know this story. Were you no, a Boy I Scout, not. Alan? I don't know no, if I you know. Not. No? No. Um, so the Boy Scouts had their final days of settlement yesterday. Do you also have some unaccountable memories from your childhood you regret not filing? No, but I think 90,000 kids is, how, is what they said were molested by the Boy Scouts. Is that right? Wait, were you a Boy Scout? So I was a Cub Scout for about like eight days and was like too hyperactive and rambunctious. And I don't I know, I was that. probably six. Oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so also along those lines, um, several years go by and I just like, I'm randomly in, in bed or walking around. I have no idea. I was like 11 or 12. And I had this like weird flash of not quite a memory, but a thought of a really inappropriate thing being offered to me. And oh, I wow. just immediately told my parents and they were like, let's go to therapy. And we talked about it in therapy. And the end result was that it seems like that was probably just like my really creative mind, mm -hmm. but I don't know. And it does coincide with a time and a place where there was a predator and I'm, I don't know. I mean, the Boy Scouts aren't fucking Boy Scouts. So like... I, I didn't realize that deadline ended yesterday, and I kind of want to look into it, but I, I, I do not make this say this lightly. I'm not making light of people that have suffered through this abuse. Um, but I actually do bring it up to say that I don't know if I was, and I spent a portion of my childhood going to therapy to square, square that out. Like, that's a part Fuck, of man. being an American 
child, you know? Dude, I remember when the uh, the Boy Scouts came to my school, elementary school, whatever it was, and did their whole pitch to try and get people to join. And I really, really wanted to. Because of that car were, race, right? It looked amazing, right? Yeah. And, parents and my parents, no, they were like, nah. And I was like, damn it. Of course, you know, I had I had plenty of family members, cousins, uncles, et cetera, that took me out and I yeah, you I learned camping and uh-huh. fishing and all that shit, right? So it wasn't like a you know I didn't get that, but um, I remember being super disappointed I wasn't able yeah. to join that. And then now you know to see everything that's happened, ninety thousand is the right number, right? That's yes. what. Yep. Mm-hmm. You realize that's worse than the Catholic Church, right? Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. And these people were ostensibly teaching the I, leaders of. I, I can't talk about it. Like I get really re- I don't know what my face looks like right now, and I, I can see it. I, I feel a little worried that I overshared. Um, like I wasn't making light of that, and I, you know, no, yeah, it's fucking can, horrible, man. Like it's, you know, one of the best things. You know, he said a lot of things that pissed some people off, but one of the best things Joe Rogan ever said, and I completely adopted it, is that the Catholic Church is a child fucking organization, and you say whatever you want. It's a it's an organization that fucks kids and covers it up. If you doubt me. The Catholic Church of Pennsylvania literally had a playbook as to what to do when their priests got caught or their clergy members got caught. There was a 10-step thing to do, depending on the scenario. Don't cooperate with law enforcement. Move them to other dioceses. Deny, deny, deny. It's just these these people are— I think it was. was, But the the thing in the Pennsylvania actually came out like two years ago. Um, That that was new. It's just— you know, and and I'm not one of these QAnon people. You know, I just we we forget this because it's uncomfortable. And you know the yeah, nobody wants to talk about this. Like, my grandpa talk. was a Boy Scout. The the uh, the the Scouts Code or whatever the fuck it is. Like he he lived his life by it and he swore by it. And if you started the conversation, you would regret it because he would tell you about why every step <laughs> is important and how it made him the man he is. And right. it did. Um, did I go too far? No, I think you went exactly far enough. Damn, dude, that's uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move into the next thing. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about? Oh, I'll let you set it up while I read. <laughs> so uh, Sam Harris, who is a uh, noted intellectual in this country, um, who has been sort of uh, railing quietly and not so quietly against Trump and and everything that he stands for over the last over four years, really, uh, even prior to 2016 election. Um, he had a, he came out with a podcast uh, the day before the elections when it dropped, and it was only eight minutes long. And if you listen to Sam Harris, you know that he rarely posts anything that's under an hour. Um, and <laughs> he was, in, in this episode, he tried to explain that he felt like he'd had an epiphany and that he had some insight into the appeal of Trump. And all it made me think was maybe he saw that tweet from Clint that said that you and, and Sam. <laughs> <laughs> that was the same understand. day. That was election day, actually. So right? you're saying that the day before the election, Sam Harris right. posted something understanding what Trump voters mean. I right. actually messaged you separately that day saying, um, you know, hey, I had this thought last night. What do you think? And then I played the Sam Harris podcast. I sent you that before the podcast dropped, and oh, wow. and then I and I was like, holy shit, we're saying the same fucking things. Holy crap! So 
it is kind of weird that Clint did perfectly identify <laughs> how much my mind and the neuroscientist and philosopher mind yeah, you really guys are is basically on the same plane. I mean, I mean what am I supposed plane. to say, man? Meditation and therapy works, you know? Right. You know, just get Maybe comfortable a little, with um, the contents of too, you know, Sam's occasionally technology. some psychedelic yeah. use, but just, you know, be yeah. comfortable with the contents of your thoughts and spend some time holding them and analyzing them. It's it's good for you. Do we even want to talk about what he said? Or no, is that I don't kind of irrelevant? Um, yeah, No, but as a side note, for weeks I haven't talked about my idea of dark matter and red matter in our election cycle. So in the way that there's the, – can you describe dark matter? Sorry, that'll be better. Yeah, so dark matter is sort of a theory in that there are certain things that are it, – It's a theory in the sense that it's proven and theories are proven, but yes. Right. So, so there are things we can't explain that happen in the universe – uh, gravitational pulls, etc., that seem to require this stuff that we can't really see um, and identify to make these equations work. We know it's there. We know it's a thing. You know, we know if we account for it, then all the equations work. Everything works. Yeah, right. right. So uh, in that same way, it's like you can spend your life pretty much going around talking to people that are like, man, the president's pretty terrible, and I hate the way my life feels. Yet come election day, it's like, wow, an equally balanced number of red people exist dispersed invisibly across right. the country. And invisibly that's sad to, to call it. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying that these people right. don't matter and aren't there and I don't talk to them all day. I'm saying that's the way it's perceived in the, in the same way that through the abilities to perceive space around us, we can't observe dark matter. I think there's also a reason I haven't tried to put that through a mic yet. It's not finished cooking, but I hope you get the idea. I get the idea completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's It sort of describes the phenomenon that we can't explain any other way. Yeah. Yeah. But it's there, and uh, you need to put it in your calculations. Otherwise, you're going to, you know, have... You, you, yeah, the pollsters seem to figure out that red matter. Yeah. yeah Keep fucking sure. up the souffle. <laughs> um, I feel like I want to skip the next topic because sure. I don't care. Me either. Um, all right. So I do want to talk about this one because, well, you'll, you'll understand shortly. Okay. <clears throat> so the Trump administration has moved to sell leases for drilling slash oil exploration in Anwar. Now, Anwar Gaddafi? <laughs> so that's where the story goes, actually. What? So, yeah, No, not Gaddafi specifically, oh. but, but what Anwar is. So do you know what Anwar stands for? By the way, there's uh, no... A. Alaska National Wildlife Refuge. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So back in the day, and I don't, I didn't Google this, so I, this is just from memory. Yeah. Okay. It was a there Bush, was, admir, Bush, Bush era thing, right? And something yes, in Obama. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think it was Bush Clinton, right? Uh, I don't know what you mean by Bush Clinton. All right. So, so here's the story, right? So back in the day, I was a, a young um, kid who liked to talk about politics, but wasn't all that informed. Oh, yeah. And, and I was at a party uh, and I was uh, talking to, this person I knew who was a Republican and I was a Democrat and we were, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Bush. Maybe it was Bush Gore. I don't know. There was, oh, you mean Bush Clinton 92? It couldn't have been then. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm like, when even is Bush Clinton? I'm like, oh, right. It must've been Bush Gore. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, well, your guy sucks because he wants to drill an Anwar. That was 2000. Yeah. And I kept saying that. And he goes, do you even know what Anwar is? <laughs> and I didn't. But did you know what it was? In I Anwar? knew what it was. Yeah. I just couldn't say it. Uh, um, so fun fact. Yeah. So um, my ex cheated on me with that guy later. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure. 
I'm pretty sure <laughs> it was because of his prolific knowledge of acronyms. Probably. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Yeah. Caribou uh, facts too, probably. Yeah. So after that conversation, I decided that I shouldn't talk about shit if I didn't know what the acronym was. And so I don't anymore. So if I say Anwar, you can ask me what it is and I won't be able to tell you nice. what it was. Nice. Yeah. That's the whole reason this is a topic? That's the entire reason. That, that's that's great. Well, I think that's terrible he's doing that. I'm really glad to hear that your like kicker wasn't and it won't be able to be reversed under Biden. Uh it's so they literally are doing it with like three or four days before Biden takes power. Yeah. So he can potentially stop it. I from yeah, happening. I don't know how you can, right? It's like you're gonna sell it to that country or company. company. How, like the how's the government oh eminent domain. Oh, 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 oh wow. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. You know so what? They're not gonna, gonna move anything. They'll buy it, they'll consider losing it, and uh they won't move any equipment there until after the election. Maybe? Right? I think so. I, I overheard um a conference call I wasn't supposed to be on today. I, I won't give away the name of the company, but they're a corporate business real estate company. Um, How did they you end ha- up on the call, though? What? Like, how did you even find out about it? I, I don't. I can't divulge my source, divulge sources. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, you know what? Protect your sources. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were talking about a lot of things uh, in regards to political change in the U.S., and they were saying that the lack of a political of a strong political mandate in either direction is. Likes likely good for investment opportunities and 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 regulatory stability. Like there's just not a huge progressive push or conservative push, so they can kind of say status quo will lead the day. And even if you don't like it, you can invest based on it not changing. And they were saying until 2022, but they kept talking about the changes in 2022 that they. Well, I mean, expect. the most the most important thing for business is that they stability stability that they can wake up and know the right. environment's going to be basically what it that's is why it's been so hard under trump and that's why coronavirus particular has been so bad because with no clear guidance from them there's just almost an inability to plan at all like i'm planning to move to tennessee and it's just like i love that i'm doing that but that's crazy why would now's the worst <laughs> time to do that but i can't wait like i love that i'm doing that Oh, you just mentioned coronavirus. I know we didn't do the rundown on today's show with all the yeah. the cases and everything. We'll just say it's bad. We're not going to get to it today. We kind of had that interview with uh, yeah. Bev. So we'll get to it next week again. Record-setting days, all the numbers. Yeah. But it's it's not been good, people. No, it's not been no. good. And yeah. deaths are climbing. It's not just cases. You know. Right. right. And um, with Thanksgiving next week, it's entirely likely that things are going to get much worse in the next few weeks. Yeah. And you know, do what you think is best for you. I mean, protect the most vulnerable. And then, other than that, make good decisions. You know, you don't need the government to tell you what to do. You should be doing this either way. You know, you probably, whether the government tells you or not, are thinking to yourself, if me going to see family is going to put vulnerable people at risk, then I won't go. So you're probably just not going to do that anyways. The government's going to come out and tell you what to do. But think for yourself anyways. Don't be Gavin Newsom. No. Well, definitely. He told us today, he just said today, no more than three people on Thanksgiving. You said three? Yeah. I thought it was like 10. I, today, it changed to three. So they like, are freaking out over infection rates that are bad comparatively to where they were recently, but they're at like 4% where our trigger level is eight. Right. Now, epidemiologists say five is where it gets bad. So like, I'm, I get it. Like, They don't like how it's trending, but you, know, you set eight as a fucking number and you're getting at four and shutting down Thanksgiving. It's like, okay, I get it because- you know, I would rather us 
be safe now, get through this, and maybe we can have Christmas, you know? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of, unfortunately, because I love Thanksgiving. I always, do too. But I, I rarely get to enjoy Thanksgiving because of my job. Uh, right, so I, right. I often just spend Thanksgiving alone eating you Black know, Bear Diner. So. I, I love <laughs> First of all, I love Black Bear Diner. Yeah. Um, I they have love... a great special on Thanksgiving, always. Mm-hmm. Sad to me that you know that. And I understand <laughs> and identify with it because I that's how we met. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. But, but man, if I didn't spend all those years in retail, I would not appreciate having Thanksgiving off as much as I do. Like if I just spent my whole oh, life yeah. with it as like the assumption, I would right. not appreciate it as much as I do now. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you want to get in this topic about Mark Esper? Let's just bring it up next week, dude. Mark Esper got fired. That's last week's news, anyways. Let's Um, go into science stuff. Okay. By the way, we don't we don't actually have a category about science, but we always tend to have it here, which I think is interesting. Because it's what we like. Yeah, maybe we should just call it the science category. I definitely think so. Science news. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know why I haven't done that is because I just anticipated time where we don't have to talk about politics for most of the show, and we have a a science-heavy show. But, like, that's probably never going to be reality. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, the plan is to phase out Trump topics, but oh, as God, long I as he's... Wait. I know. Um, all right. Uh, uh, where is it? Where are we skipping to? I'll let you lead. Um, so can you see my cursor? You uh, variable a lighting. Yeah. So, yeah. So cool science headline I saw that said uh, the, the true source of light pollution isn't necessarily what we thought. So what would you have assumed light pollution is caused by mostly? Sweet. Wait, what is light pollution, Alan? So light pollution is a phenomenon wherein there's so much ambient light at night that you can't see the stars. It's also been, um, uh, there's been studies that show it affects uh, nocturnal animal animals negatively. Oh. Um, so basically, yeah, it's too much light at night where it and should be dark. what would you expect the source to be uh well humans obviously so <laughs> cities it's not being so difficult what human created phenomenon street oh, lights street lights humans, right. headlights yeah, yeah, all that yeah, yeah 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 so people with lighters i don't know so, all that okay shut up you gave the right answer and i said yes you're <laughs> 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 being petulant the um the city of tucson is equipped with variable lamps on all of their street lights so they can dim them down um, to, I think, 30% is their lowest level, all the way up to 100%. So if it's a re- like a full moon, they'll put them at 30%. If it's you oh, know, really cool, dark actually. out, I know, right? So, so it saves them, uh, saves them electricity costs, uh, and it doesn't pollute too much light. Well, they decided to conduct, conduct an experiment, and without telling, without telling anyone for also, which is kind of interesting, they... They turned the lights up 100% on on a dark night, and on either dark nights or a full moon, they had the lights off. Like they 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 dialed the lights all the way up, all the way down, and studied opposite of what they normally would do. Yeah, I guess is what you're saying. Okay. And looked at the sky, and the the light pollution wasn't measurably different. Like you know, by 70% when it goes from 100 to 30. Right. Which means that the real sources of light pollution are like store lamps and people's headlights and like neon signs in businesses. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I I would not have guessed that. I would have assumed streetlights were the main cause. Hmm. 
I actually don't find that all that surprising. Yeah. Like, like, well, if you, for instance, let's say you walk around. Well, would it have have to been surprising, like like a Tasmanian devil or something? No, like, like you walk around San Francisco at night, the whole place is lit up. It's not just streetlights, right? It's mostly buildings and things like that. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I don't know what would have been surprising. Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Yeah. 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 I got a really shocking story about streetlights. Strap in. I, I do think that it's interesting that like even when you go out to Joshua Tree, like we were a couple of weeks ago, not me and you, me and Tasha, um, right. you have to like position yourself so that there's a mountain in between you and Los Angeles so that you can to still it. get rid of it. Even, you know, even on a, on a dark night there, like you still, if there's a mountain there, you're good, but yeah. Well, Death Valley famously has some like amazing. Yes. Yeah. Cause there's nothing around it. There's nothing there. Yeah. yeah. We drove um, too there. All right, so no, I had a little... did when we went snowboarding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to hatch it being all... Dude, that was so much fun. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. All right, I had a little story in the science news as well. So SpaceX had their first... SpaceX. Man... <laughs> yes, they had their first manned flight to the International Space Station. Uh, they carried three Americans and one Japanese astronaut. I believe this was launched Sunday. This is the first um, manned launch that they've done, and... I mean, the, I guess the cool thing about this is just to see the the private public partnership um, and, success you know, and successful, yeah. And you know, NASA scrapped the the rocket program what twenty years? Yeah, ago? and and Seems like forever. The return on their investment was spending like billions of dollars, and instead partnering and contributing like hundreds of millions and getting this. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm fantastic. So, I'm so thrilled to see, because I mean, the benefit is less tax money sh- ideally should have been taken out of my check. Right. They seem to find other things to spend it on. Um, <laughs> and the advancement in the private sector where people are actually, you know, can move a little bit freer and maybe move a little bit faster. faster. Yeah. 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 Were you the one that was telling me about the uh, potentially nuclear powered rockets? Was yeah. That- uh, it's a question on here. Have uh, What is it? Oh, no. I moved it onto Dustin's questions. Have oh, you, sure. It's a company called, it's like s- totally safe nuclear company. And you're like, <laughs> why is it called totally safe nuclear? I think it's called safe nuclear company, safe nuclear. I don't know. But yeah, they, they have, it's called MMS. Miniature modular. I don't know. They're, but they, the, the idea is for people to have um, reactors in their home. MMR, that's what it is. Because it reminded me of measles, mumps, and rubella. Um, so, mini modular reactor. You could have a reactor in your home. You could have, um, you know, they could use it as a small uh, non chemical rocket engine on spacecraft. Um, but that's yeah, different re- than the graphene sheets. That was from a couple of weeks ago. Right, that's yeah. different, yeah. No, I was reading an article about uh, space travel to Mars, and they were saying that nuclear power is likely the, the thing that will get us there because currently the rockets that we use with just fuel, you see the flames shoot out the back, yeah, right? Yeah, chemical rocket. Right, chemical rocket. You Once that thing is in a certain direction, you can't really change the direction oh right because it's not be, like because there's no friction there you're not like right you'd have to have retros on the side or right wow. and you can't you can't like really speed up or slow down things like that so nuclear uh powered rockets would be able to do that they'd be able Why? to change directions because you can i feel like move. they could still nozzle it with the chemical rocket. i don't know this yeah. article i was reading was saying this was like the thing. oh maybe they probably because they drop 
their fuel cell once it burns. Right. It's yeah, also, I the got weight it. is the issue. Yeah. This is just keeps going, right? Um, so that, and if we can get water on the from the moon, yeah, those two things could get us to Mars. That yeah. Could be the well, thing. that's why the big race is going to be getting that trace amount of water off the moon they found. Yeah. Did you hear it's like so, suspended droplets? Like you can imagine looking out onto a, like a field of tiny little like pin pinheads of water. Mm-hmm. That's so amazing. Be super cool, right? Yeah. So give me your over under on a manned flight to Mars taking off in the next two decades. Um, what do you think? I think when these things start moving, as long as there's not a like major economic collapse, they move at exponential paces, you know? Breakthroughs I think especially with the private sector being mm-hmm. involved, I agree. I think that's really a likely possibility. Yeah, they they can take more risk, and yeah. I mean, Elon cool. wants to. I mean, Elon's mission is to do that, and I'm pretty sure it's in his lifetime. So he's older than me. Well, he's probably lived forever though. <laughs> he's going to upload his consciousness into the cloud. It's going to be fine. Yeah, you know, he yeah. called it space sex on purpose, right? Of course he did. Okay. Because uh, all these cars, they were the Model S, the Model E, and the Model X, right? And then they didn't they let them do it X. To the T. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Do you have one more question I before mean, I we? I do, but that last one was a fucking doozy. Uh, <laughs> I promise I don't have any more bad ones. That one was my naughtiest question. Sorry for not being on mic. Oh, no worries. Uh, five. Number number five. Um, number five is cinco. Five. <laughs> okay. This is stupid. Yeah, this one won't take any time. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm thinking of starting a brand that makes tiny organizer bins that slide underneath standalone closets. Do you think the name Under Armoire is already taken? <laughs> I'm thinking you might get some lawsuits. If it's you... totally different word. Yeah, it's an O-I-R-E. I had to look it up. I didn't know how to spell armoire. I knew I had to say it. Hmm. I still think you might get some lawsuits. What if I make it one word? What what's the one word? Under Armour, all one word, just like a yeah. capital A, like a hashtag where it's all one word. Yeah, you're definitely getting sued for that. <sighs> all right, well, that wasn't. Hey, very, just real yeah. quick, speaking of brands, did you see Supreme got bought by VLF? <laughs> really? Yeah. No, I didn't. You know Supreme, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they got bought by. So there's a. I didn't even know this. There's this huge conglomerate that owns like Vans and a bunch of other really popular brands like that and they they just bought supreme for some massive amount of money obviously that's nuts i for one i just assumed supreme had all of the money considering they do they still like i mean aren't their stickers like 200 dollars? oh it's nuts it's insane yeah didn't they sell a brick once i don't remember i think they sold bricks that said supreme and people are like oh my god that wouldn't surprise me no yeah hey um i know i just kind of wasted a little time with that story but do, do you think we oh have fuck time? you oh shit i even said it at the beginning of the show there's fuck. no there's no time for sharks man i'm sorry dude we could cut the supreme story uh yeah i know but that interview went long too it oh. you know what there's a lot of vaccine news to come out it's about the vaccine so we'll just talk about it next week all right all right, all right. just stay tuned people we'll all right get this there. is gonna be over two hours we gotta keep going all right okay media media what, what have, have we you, been consuming yeah what's been in your diet I literally only watched one thing this week, and it was that movie night on Discord with my buddy Revolver. Yeah. Uh, well, isn't there a six in his name, or did you hit a six re- as you typed the R? No, it's Revolver Six. It's actually, okay. Revolver S Six is technically okay. The name. Yeah. So we watched an anime movie. Oh. Um, which my my son is really into anime. 
my son's actually taking Japanese. Um, so yeah, it's fun. Anyways. Uh, I think I have a meme for this. Keep going. I'm sure you do. Uh, so the movie was called Weathering With You. It came out in 2019. It's about kind of a, a young kid who's run away to Tokyo. And he befriends a girl who appears to be able to manipulate the weather. Oh, I saw this in theaters. It was you- it was like, um, hold on, it's French, but is that the French one or no? That, that one is Japanese. It's Japanese. Okay, yeah. that's, uh, it, it was, um, please say the name that I'm totally blanking on. It felt like so-and-so. It felt like um, um, Spirited Away. Yeah, it did. <clears throat> What's his name? I fuck. <sighs> Ghibli, Studio Ghibli. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyways, the movie was fucking phenomenal. It, I really he, liked it. Yeah, please talk about it more. I'm just so excited. I f- totally forgot about that movie because I saw it and then like n- didn't talk about it with anybody else, and it, it, it the movie slipped my mind. Uh, it really good. It's um, it's sad. It's beautiful. It it's, was beautiful. Um, can, was, why don't was, you describe it more? I interrupted you as soon as you started to describe the show. Oh, so it's I, I know it'd be tough to do without giving it away. Yeah, 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 no, no, it's it's an experience, man. So basically, this kid runs away from home. They don't really explain all that. He gets to Tokyo. He um, <laughs> his life gets saved by some guy on the boat on the way. And when he gets to Tokyo, it turns out that there's this crazy phenomenon happening where it's like raining all day, every day for like months at a time. The city is flooding. Um, and he meets this girl who can make the sun come out, basically. Um, and I won't spoil yeah. it because beyond that. Uh, but it's and, and it's, it's, really, it's that fantasy and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really well done. If this was a video game, you would want to play it nonstop. Uh, it's it's the characters are just draw you in. Um, yeah, I, I loved it, man. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, if you couldn't tell by my lack of ability to just say Studio Ghibli the first second I was trying to think of that thought, you might not know, but I'm not that cultured on anime. Right. But I, what I've seen like that, I've appreciated, and I I loved that movie. That was so good. I saw it at AMC Mission Valley because it was like the only theater that had it. Yeah. Yeah. I just realized you're not in San Diego and you don't know where that is. I know what that is though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Anyways, I, I 100% recommend it. It was it was great. I mean, I know you know probably not everybody's into that sort of scene, but I, I, really I think it transcends it. it. Honestly, like if you can appreciate good art, I think you might like this no matter what, and like never watch anime ever again and be like, well, that one I saw was good. I like, tend to agree. Yeah. It's the, because it's that's good. literally me. I've seen like four. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's that good. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's what you guys. My turn. I okay, so turn. I saw two movies other than that Netflix ridge. Uh, I saw Zodiac. The um, what's the writer or who's the um uh, the, the Fincher? Yeah, no, I know, but it's the the director is David Fincher, right? Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah, and he of, uh, Fight Club, right? Yes, and other stuff. Yeah, lots of others. Did he yeah. do Fight Club? I'm gonna hate myself if that wasn't him. I'm going to find out. You keep talking. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's the, like, 2004, I think, movie with, uh, which gay cowboy is that? Uh, the one that's alive. <laughs> and, it, uh, and and Iron Man's in it. And that guy that's in American Horror Story plays a creep in this. And it tells the story of the 
you know, many years on multiple killings of the Zodiac killer. Um, it, I mean, it was so have you seen that movie? I have not. Uh, Fincher, I had Fincher did direct Fight Club. Can't confirm. Fuck yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, he he uh, you know, he did a great job on this movie, and it was just a blind spot. I I missed it. I knew that I wanted to see it, but it just was never a time to watch that movie about the serial killer that went on for a long right. time. What and platform true, is it on? Uh, it's on fucking Netflix, man. Watch it tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay, cool. yeah, I recommend it. Uh, I mean, it's good. Except, here's the one thing about this movie. It is so fucking Fincher because he gets into his color palettes. Do you know that with him? Yeah. There I is do. yellow in every fucking scene, every <laughs> shot, every single shot, to the point that you can just be like, yellow, and then they'd move, go to another scene. There's one scene where they're at an airport, nothing's fucking yellow, except the plane. <laughs> and you're just like a yellow plane shut the fuck up like once you notice yellow in this movie it almost ruins the shots because it there's they're great well, shots with just oh look yellow it's all i'm looking at so go see yellow style. well and that's the cover of the zodiac book was yellow and you know yellow is a good movie hmm. i also saw the invisible man the, the new one that came out I think it came out on like VOD as the epidemic, as the epidemic, as the, as well, whatever, as the pandemic started. And I knew some people that saw it and said it was good. I just finally got around to it. It's on HBO. Um, I actually recommend it. Is that with Kevin Bacon? No, that's the old no. One, right? It's like that though. It's okay. it's got a good story. It's uh, it's just uh, like the best Lifetime movie you've ever seen. Like. It, like, interesting description okay. yeah the the movie starts with the woman running away and then the rest of the movie is about the man hunting her down and it's so good okay. like yeah that's it I'm i won't just looking at it. the meme you sent me oh yeah there's two <laughs> I, I guess i'll put them up on the show stories i'll put them up in the uh no that's not good for the fan club <laughs> no put them in the story yeah okay. for sure all Maybe right. after the episode drops too, so they have some frame of reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. put them like yeah. Friday. Yeah, there you go. Okay, my head's starting to hurt. I we're we're done, man. We're we're at the end. You have oh, a short. Good. Well, you have like four oh, quotes. Which do you one wanna... are we picking? Okay, I have two quotes from Alex Trebek. Do you have one you like? Yeah, I think number two. Number two. I'm curious about everything, even subjects that don't interest me. Alex Trebek. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Aren't you? I try to be that. Yeah. yeah. Like I one of my favorite things is like when I got into denim. It's like I was not at all interested in denim and now <laughs> just I'm a like a weird thing to get into by the way. Yeah, just for whatever. Because yeah. but okay, oh, I love things that are appreciated just for the fact of loving and appreciating them, you know? It's, Their existence is enough. Yeah. 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 I hear a cat. You could hear it this time. I do. I could hear it. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go drink a bunch of water. That's probably a good idea. You should hydrate just yeah. in case. Yeah. Uh, you want to do the thing. Oh. Um, oh, I... Um, no offense, Alan. None taken. Yes. Nailed it. That was fun. That was fun. All right. Hey, it's recording. All right. That's that's a good thing. If it yeah. wasn't, that'd be bad. Yeah. Do you want? Should we do a little post show just in case? Sure. Leave yeah. it in there. Yeah. Dude, uh, Beverly was fantastic. I dude. will say that. Dude. So I texted her. I said, "Thanks so much for coming on." Uh, yeah. And she was like, "Oh, it was a blast. I love sharing my knowledge. You guys were fun to talk to." So. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Glad she had a good time too. Hi, mom. I talked to your friend. <laughs> Wait, does your mom listen? 
she willed this one because oh, I'm going to be like, hey, Bev's going to be on here talking about being a nurse in the pandemic, getting nice. coronavirus, and then saying, that's it, I'm retiring. You guys <laughs> are putting me in directly in harm's way. And that, you know what? I, I'm sorry, that doesn't characterize why she retired. And we really didn't get into that very well anyways. No, we didn't really talk to her about like her experience being infected either. Which no, yeah. There was just so much to get, get to. There. Yeah. There's a lot. There's yeah, a lot. I mean, yeah, at this point, it's like I'm happy with what one we got person, to. But... Yeah, like, yeah, I don't need to hear one more person's story about how it felt to not taste things and like, you know, feel sick. I don't want that. Uh, hey, hopefully you can still taste things for... I vape. I think you're fine. Yeah, I know, I but okay. like um, nicotine just kills your taste buds. Oh, like, right, I haven't right. tasted things in like ages. Decades? Uh, I didn't start smoking at 18, so not yet decades. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. You get results tomorrow, yeah? If I'm lucky. Um, I, I hope so, because I got a call on Thursday, actually, kind of want to do. So I am not looking forward to all the work I'm going to be doing when I get back. I feel bad that I put everybody, like, I don't. You should. It gets backed up while you're there. Not there, right? It just. Um, you know, people are probably going to work more and the owner has been, you know, getting his boots on lately. In, yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, he always has in certain ways, but he's been like turning wrenches a lot more than normal. Well, uh, you got to do that sometimes. I know. I just, I mean, I do that in my role. I, I do know, that today in that's my role, true. you know? Yeah. I just, I guess like, I, I, I genuinely do wish that there was a way that I could have felt comfortable at work that i wasn't at risk yeah for a long period of time and then i also wish that in general i could have been able to gotten tested you know this morning and gone and back no, to work in the afternoon yeah. and it's like you'd think that eight months into this that we'd have a version of that you know like it just seems like we spent a lot of money and and like we didn't keep businesses open and we don't have good testing I feel like you could do that in South Korea right now. I feel like you could. I think so too. And that sucks. I mean, it's a lesser population, smaller geographic area, and all those things have Smaller costs. GDP too, though. Like I know, but all those things have like exponential costs. Like just like moving Are you things. making excuses for our government? No, you're right. right. You're right. Well, no, I, you know what? I'm not because my answer is they have too much federalized power. And if we had stronger states, we'd probably be able to respond better, but. I also I don't, don't want that for defense reasons, but at the same time, I'm not that worried about defense. I um, feel like in situations like this, you need a federal government that can step in. And, yeah, I know, and, like, I do too. Well, or yeah. it, but like almost in the in only in the sense that Beverly described. Like we just need someone that we can trust to give guidance, authority. You know, the best practices basically, and and coordinate the people to direct things around amongst the states and oh her 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 description of her disappointment with the cdc was just palpable like, i know, you know like, did you was it too political i didn't think so okay, good. i just felt i know like, her politics and it's like they're they're not shitty but like you know i don't think i don't even think that I, like, i'm glad it didn't come up i really am glad because i didn't think it did either but i didn't yeah. i didn't know how it would sound to someone that didn't know that you know what i mean sure all right, man. Yeah, that was good. That was another good episode. I yeah. will uh, c uh, convert and upload ASAP. All right, All right. All right. cheers. God bless. Cheers. Drive safe. <laughs> now this is Podcasting.